everyone and welcome to episode 440 of Conversation Street, the Coronation Street podcast with me, Gemma. And Michael, me. Um, I hope you can hear us all right. We are standing the other side of a closed <laughs> door on Coronation Street, but I think that the sound carries really well into the street. Yeah, we're inside, so we're inside number 11 and just imagine you're outside number, uh, outside the house and you can hear us, it's fine. It's absolutely fine. Um, we are talking about Coronation Street, broadcasting the UK between the 12th and the 16th of October. Um, I was going to say New Year's ending in a zero to five. That's not true. Um, we're talking about episodes 10,139 to 10,144. Yeah, we are. You looked at me then as if you said that doesn't sound right. I'm pretty sure I, I haven't actually checked. I just added six onto last week. And I, oh dear, I'm, I'm hoping that that's what we're talking about this week. Talking about this week's Coronation Street anyway. Um, but we've got lots of other things to do first because we've got very special delivery through the post today. This was jolly exciting, wasn't it, Gemma? Yes, it was actually. We very have received exciting. a pre-release review copy of 60 Years of Coronation Street, The Incredible Story of Britain's Favourite Continuing Drama by Abigail Kemp, which Yay! is the new book that's been released, the Curry 60th anniversary. Uh, we've, we've been... Will um, be released. Which we, it, we're, it's not even out yet. It's not out for two weeks. We got a copy. I don't even think I'm going I'm to be able to read this before this you all get it, though. It's so impressive. I am so excited to read this. What a great job Abigail Kemp has done on putting this together. It's... Honestly, it is seriously impressive. And this is coming from it's someone really who's heavy. read like the, the the 50th anniversary book, the 40th anniversary, 35th anniversary book. This this is incredible. It to to first even just like holding it, it's it feels like classy, doesn't it? Yeah. It's got some lovely nice goldy shiny got, stuff like, on the front, like the over. golden navy look. It's, it's oh, got yeah, 300, like 336 pages. It's got very good graphic design inside. I will say that as well. There's lots of really it's nice pictures. Really, really nice there to put are together. Charts and graphs and things, timelines, family trees. And the font is really small. Notes. And I just can I point yeah. out about how tiny the font is? There's that much writing in there. Yeah, but we do. You don't want to put people off. You can't see. It's not unreadably small. I'm just saying it is cram packed full of curry goodness for 60 years. And and um, I, I was wondering when this was released what they would do to differentiate it, particularly from some of the older ones, because every 10 years for, for a while now, they've released, uh, this is the story of Coronation Street so far. But this one is just, it, it goes above and beyond. Can I just, I, no, I can't, can't Gemma. There's what what? what? what have we got in this book? This is, a, this is very, very early impressions. We have had a skim of it. This is not a review. That will come. But it's going to take a while to read this. Um, this has got like behind-the-scenes stuff. Like, there's a whole section called From Page to Screen, The Journey of a Storyline. And it's got all about how they do the scheduling. There's some pictures of behind-the-scenes at the, gallery, the Coronation the Street building. Um, it's got stuff about... It's got Ian McLeod in there. It's got a nice picture of him. The behind the scenes stuff I wasn't expecting in there, but it's it's all about you know how he, how curry's made, and it reminds me of that other book that I read recently, the one that you bought me, uh, that came out when was it mid nineties, late nine? No, it was late nineties. That um, Coronation Street How It's Made book that, yeah. I, that I didn't even know existed until recently, um, and it's basically it's like it's like an updated version of that to begin with. It's all about you know the, the script to screen story of Coronation Street, and that's just 
a, a small portion of the book at the front that I wasn't expecting at all. Gemma's just engrossed in an old script it's got at the, the moment. Script. It's got the script, um, like a little copy of the original first episode script. And it's got like all the breakdown of what happens in the episode. And at the very bottom, it's got Here We Go written on in somebody's handwriting. Oh, cool. Um, oh, it's so the, lovely. The, it's packed with photos, but not so much that it's like the pages are filled up with photos. And so, you know, to take up page space... It, it, there's a really nice balance and like I said the, there, is, there is so much writing in there it makes me wonder how much time Abigail spent sort of constructing this oh, whole thing and the people that she must about, have spoken to about Tony Warren as well yeah oh. it's, it, it, part of it looks a bit like the Coronation Street Treasures book because there's photos of you know documents yeah, in universe documents as well of. like I, I saw at one point there was a, um, a poster for Missing Simon Barlow um, and, and things like that. There's can I, can I, can I, no, I just want to get it. my it's hands fine. on it. Oh, that's yeah, fine. It, um, I like this got? bit. William Roach can't get rid of me. <laughs> no, it's William Roach there from the start. Oh, yeah. section. I've, got I've given it, it to Michael. So now. it's got it's, it's got heavy. that behind the scenes bit. There's there's a bit about costume here for Gemma. Uh, in yeah, the gallery. Um, then then they've got a section which is all about the different houses and there's some really lovely art. Brand new artwork commission for this book, like cartoonish. It's got the name versions. of the person in the front. I told you in the credits. Where is it? Whereabouts? Give it back. Oh, just it's passing this props. Back. This is props. This is prop work. This, this, is. this is this is on the go. Review. Um, there you go. That's his name. Try and say Sean Vecchioni at seanvec dot com. It's very good. Let me. Yeah. 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 So it's got a picture of each house, and then there's like a little bit of information about each one and who lives there now and who has lived there throughout the time. Like, for, there's the Rovers, there's a list of all the barmen, list of all the cleaners, the licensees, loads of nice photos, really high quality. The, the paper stock is lovely. It just feels... Don't oh, rub it. Listen, listen to this, everybody. That's last another 10 listen. years until they do another one. Stop it! Yeah, Stop it! Stop it! feels nice. Really Here's a picture of Deirdre's glasses. So there's that. That kind of goes through. And then... There's even, even like for number 2A, Coronation Street, so above the salon, there's like a, a, one of those nice cartoons of it with the bit that we're talking about coloured in and then the salon bit is in black and white, which is a really nice touch. There's a bit here with family trees. So there's the Barlow family tree, the Connor family tree. There's like a... a oh, look at this. I haven't oh, even seen this out. before. There's a fold-out bit. There's, there's like has diagrams of the set cartoonified. For the, for the different versions of it. And, like, the first one doesn't have any roofs because it didn't have any roofs back in the olden days. Oh, I love this. See, I've only, I've, I haven't had much of a chance. I've been busy doing other stuff since I got back from school today. And, and that take there's about, we're up to about page 123 at the moment, so we're about a third of the way in. And then it goes to the timeline section, which is similar in a way to some of the old Curry books, but the way it's designed on the page is so lovely. Like, the, the bottom third of it is, a, is literally a timeline of a year with the, the key events of that year added to it. And then the, there's, there's descriptions of what happens month by month, that it's like, um, it's like a page per year um, with, with the, the main stories. That there's like produc production notes, so sort of behind-the-scenes details for different stories. Oh, look at all this. It's got there's, about the um, co-op Yeah, there's a section here about expanding Victoria Right, let's Street. not it's, do too much. Seriously... Now. I, All right. I, how much is this book? Um, it, it's a it's a bargain at whatever it costs. It's Michael, like sixteen pounds, I think. Sixteen, seventeen it's pounds. To I think. pre-order it, 
Yes. And it's tw- I think oh, it's no, twenty pounds. Pic- Stop it, it now. Oh. I think it's twenty pounds. But to there's buy also it. other things. Yes, we're not doing a review of it today. Coronation Street in the wider world. Twenty twenty would... onwards. Oh, there's a bit of spoilers there, maybe. No, it's also got a bit about <laughs> coronavirus in it too, which is it's, very up to date. It's very, very bang up to date. And that, that's kind of the problem, I suppose, with Coronation Street books, is as soon as you write it's it and release it, it's instantly out of date because, you know, by the time this gets into people's hands different things might have changed. But seriously, this is a quality quality book the only thing i will say is i just work found out that mm. the artist is from america what the heck well, i don't understand why <laughs> there are lots of lovely artists oh it says it's 20 pounds on the back but i think you can get the, it cheaper on amazon in the uk especially in the north it's that's all i'm saying it's seriously a top quality product oh i absolutely this love is. it this is a, i was so impressed when i saw it and like you said earlier it's got a nice it's heft really heavy. to it yes yes so to celebrate we are going to give away a copy of this. In a, yes. We're Which not going to just stand at the corner it. of the street and say, who wants this? No, we're going got to a competition. do a competition. You can win a copy of this wonderful Six Years of Coronation Street by Abigail Kemp by answering the following question. Which character spoke the first line in the very first episode of Coronation Street? So, when you know, if you're, if you're a Corrie nut, you know who was the first piece of dialogue spoken by. But if not, I'm sure you can find out pretty easily as well. Yes, you need to email your answer. Don't tell us. Don't, don't, tweet, don't it. tweet it to us. Don't, don't DM it, it us. Yep, just don't put it on the Facebook group. It. Don't text it to me if you know the number. Conversationstreet at gmail.com. The subject header has to be Corrie Comp. Well, it'd be and nice if you if it don't, was. if you don't follow these instructions, you will not be in. The <laughs> don't chance. say that because the people that have already entered this competition that haven't put Corrie Comp as a header are going to email us again, and our email inbox is already bursting at the seams. Yeah, we've we've actually <laughs> we launched this already on on social media, and already we're deluged. This is probably the most popular competition we've ever. Well, had. it's the it's the one that we've had the quickest response yes. to, and I'm not surprised because it's a great book. Now, the deadline for this competition is this coming Wednesday. So, if you're listening to this in Corrie Canadian timeline, I hope you found out about the competition other ways we, because it's already going to be closed it on social media we wanted to make sure that whoever won would be able to get their copy when it comes out because there's no fun winning something because you're really excited about it and then having to wait to yeah. get your mitts on it so but it's also a case that some people might not have pre-ordered yet and they think well that's if 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 you, uh, if it, you know whether you've won it or not you yeah. can then pre-order if you haven't yeah so seven so o'clock on, on wednesday the 29th of october 336 pages long definitely worth it all kinds of good stuff in there really really super read it i i imagine it's super is going read to be. it yes <laughs> right um that with that with that out of the way that that's my excitement for the day everybody um Gemma, now it's time for yours because you get to quiz me which i'm sure is your highlight of the week Ooh. because you get to feel all clever yeah i do um just can i refer to my coronation street book to help me with the answers absolutely to this absolutely not <laughs> Where's a pen? There's a pen. You're never, you're never prepared. I'm never prepared. It's a, I here's a pen. wasn't in the Scouts. Here's a pen. I was in the Brownies. Have you got a bit of paper? When we, you, in the Scouts, you were taught always be prepared. And in the Brownies, we were taught and just marry a man paper. who's always prepared. Just scribble it over the front of this new book. No, not really. Right. Okay, so. Quiz. Um, by the way, if I slur or sound weird today, it's because I have literally not slept. I'm not drunk. Believe it or not. Haven't had a drop of alcohol today. I am oh, very, people very... People are going to switch off now, Gemma. ...tired. I haven't slept. <laughs> they only tune in for Gemma's drunken rantings. Well, I think Gemma, Gemma's running on zero hours sleep is fairly funny. 
You you, you you just you were buzzing last night, weren't you, for no particular reason? No, you know exactly what I was wound up about. Oh yeah, I do. Actually. Okay, right. So it's here fine. we go. Um, this is Crow stuff that happened between the twelfth and the sixteenth of October in years ending in the zero and the five, which as is the tradition. Sourced from coronationstreet.fandom.com. And have to say, we looked in the acknowledgements at the back of this sixtieth um sixty years of Coronation Street and. The guys, the, the people over at Carpedia yes, are thanked. Very nice to see them getting credit because of all the hard work that they do. Where's, where's our credit? We didn't do anything as usual. We didn't do anything. We were not a source for this Coronation Street book. It's because we're untrustworthy. <laughs> it's because we haven't got anything of value to say that's factual. <laughs> right, okay. So, first question. 12th of October, 2000. Why does Emma Taylor, slash Watts, kill Dean Sykes? Linda Baldwin's brother. Because he's doing a raid at Fresh Coast, isn't he? Yes. So what? And she, and she is the and she's a gun police woman. A gun police woman. Yeah, she's got a shooter. She has got a shooter. She's an armed copper. Yeah. Thirteenth um, of October, nineteen seventy-five. What precious memento of Jack's does Annie fear is lost when the firemen putting out the Mark Britain warehouse fire? Flood the cellar of the Rovers. Now, I remember we watched this episode. Yeah, like, we did. Very, very vague. I, I, Do you, if, I don't think I would have remembered what this was. Um, his collection of London Lovelies magazines. <laughs> <laughs> Don't get half a point with the I comedy answer. I probably got Billy to burn it. <laughs> we left it for him in his will. Um, I don't know. It's not Albert Tatlock's medals. What is it? he's stolen. It's 30 gold sovereigns. Uh, okay. Do you Va- that? Vaguely, vaguely, vaguely. Okay, thirteenth of October, nineteen ninety-five. Why does Bet ask Vicky for a loan of sixty-six thousand pounds? She wants to buy the Rovers. Correct. Fourteenth of October, nineteen seventy. <laughs> I'm think about fishing, fishing the London Lovelies magazines out of the soggy cellar and goes, and she's like, Jack, Jack, why are the pages stuck together? Oh no! It's, it's from the flooding, Annie. Don't he, be, he says from beyond the grave. That's enough. Um, this. Aunt, no, I can't say it. Fourteenth um, of October, nineteen seventy. Who does Tommy Deacon row with over collecting junk from Coronation Street? Was uh, Charlie Moffat? No. Go on. Good guess, though. I know you're going to tell me, and I'm going to say, "Oh yes, aren't I?" It, now this is, is... that somebody with a comedy name? No. Group of people. Oh, the Gypsies. Yes, the gypsies, you can't really say that, though. That is what they were identified and self-identified as in so 1970. I'm so, 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 because he really likes her. <laughs> I just got an eye roll for that. What for? Um, to give to the friends of Weatherfield Hospital? Or Weatherfield? No. Sometimes I roll my eyes so hard I can hear, I can hear it in my skull. I'm not, <laughs> Still I'm doesn't joking. translate to the podcast. Um, what for? Fix the church roof. What oh. do religious folk ever need money for? She was all the, about the hospital. It's always Emily. the church roof, isn't it? Mm. Right, go on. Do you think one day we'll be we'll be fixed all up fixed? Look, when Billy's the archdeacon, he's going to get right on that. He's going to snap his fingers and it'll be done. Yep. Fourteenth of October, two thousand and ten. Billy gets things done at church like drugs. 
Oh dear. Who turns up to ruin a romantic date between Julie and Brian? Between Julie and Brian, I'm going to go... Dev. Wrong. <sighs> Margaret, Brian's wife. Okay, yeah, again, that makes more sense. Oh yeah, the Dev, the Dev thing was a bit later, wasn't it? Interesting Continue. fact, Ian McLeod was the story editor at the time. Oh, that is an interesting fact. 15th of October 2010, who does David run over with his car? Um, I guess Graham Proctor. Correct. Why? How? He had an his first epilepsy. He had an epilepsy. Attack. Yes. 16th of October, 1985. Why does Tracy run away from home? Now, we just we watched this. We literally just watched this. Why does Tracy run away from home in 1985? She I wants to I go to see Susan. I didn't even know the answer to this. I wasn't paying attention. Why did she go? What was going on? We've, we have not long watched this episode. She's not happy that... She's a little madam. Um, it's just Tracy, Ken, Deirdre. I don't... I, I seriously can't remember. She wanted something. Oh, yeah, she did. A dog. <laughs> she wanted a dog. I'll give you half. Final question. Three quarters of a mark, please. Final question. No. 16th of October, 1995. Which iconic landlady says farewell to the Rovers? That Gilroy Lynch. It's very sad. Oh. One, two, three. That is sad. 25 years ago. And a half. (laughs) Thank you. Out of ten. Six and a half out of ten. You had some hard questions on there. I I enjoyed that. There were some good questions this week. Yes. Who... Who, who, who has got 17th birthdays? to the 23rd of October is our birthday slot, and there are only three people that were born. Seriously? In that period of time, according to Wikipedia. 18th of October is Ian Reddington, who played Vernon Tomlin. On the 23rd of October, Peter Armitage, who played Bill Webster, oh. and Annie Hulley, who played Gwen Davies, has to, has to share. Oh, okay. Um, and also, Fair interesting, dues. do you remember we were talking about Kevin and Sally and uh, weddings? When? Last week, all the week before, we're talking about when Sally got married, oh, yeah, right? Yeah, yeah. I I did realize this. I've I've just put this together. Sally's wedding dates over the years: eighth mm. of October, nineteen eighty six, to Kevin. Yeah. Ninth of December, two thousand two, to Kevin. Fifth of October, two thousand fifteen, to Tim. Seventh of October, twenty twenty, to Tim. So she's been married on the fifth of October, the seventh of October the 8th of October and the 9th of December. That's funny. To two different men. Make, I don't know whether that makes it easier to remember or harder because you might just I confuse it. Like, I know I married this guy, I know I married this guy uh, in, in early October at some point, but was it the 5th or was it the 8th? I don't know. She'd be like, the, mm, the 10th of... Mm. She just says, happy anniversary uh, month. Yes, anniversary month. <laughs> <laughs> right, I think, I think we are done. You ready to, you ready to move on, crack on with the next segment? Say what we thought about this week's Corey. Oh, we have to, don't we? We do have to. We totally have to. So let's do it right now. Right, this week's um, Coronation Street was... Let's find out what we thought about it. I, I certainly had feelings about this week's Coronation Street. I had fairly strong feelings. You had different feelings to me, we've discussed. Mm-hmm, yeah. What were they? Well, let's find out. Um, we're going to start off with the, the, the totally different storyline. He hasn't toddled off yet. He's still with us. Was his storyline any good? We'll have a look in a minute. Our next story is, I think this is going to be a storyline title that stays around for the next couple of months. If the, if the anniversary stuff is going where it appears to be going, 
it's all the stuff about Ray and his plans to flatten the street <laughs> and build a skyscraper. We now know what he's <laughs> I up don't to. Think he did. He he's going to build Ray Towers. Oh, he said he he said he was building a a, a thingy for fun. Oh, I think he was just joking. Oh, I thought he was going to build something up and then they could, they could angle it so it blocked off the Imperial War Museum over the top of the viaduct so that they'd be able to show wider shots now. Oh, well. Anyway, the storyline title, which was submitted by a listener, I have to say, thank you very much, is <laughs> Ray's Race to Raise the Place. Very good, yes. Raise like is in to demolish. Oh, thank you. Yeah, it was a collaborative effort, I have to say, between oh, me yeah, and Oh, yeah, try to get some credit uh, right, for right, this. Right, right, right. I like that. Raise, raise to raise the place. Um, this next one was all me, though. We've got a Robert Johnny is the next no. story. <laughs> what? That's totally intense. That, that, that writes itself, surely. We get to find out a little bit more about Johnny's secret with Scott this week and have an awful lot of scene of him still trying to avoid Scott and Jenny being completely oblivious to the whole thing. Um, we then have got a bit more of the show in the storyline. I couldn't think of anything else to call it. We just go back to the let's get this show on the road to recovery. Because again, I don't think a whole lot happened in that story this week. Gemma, you you, you came up with the storyline title for the Arthur and Evelyn stuff this week, didn't you? Oh, it's not very good though, is it? <laughs> it's fantastic. It's very good, Gemma. I'm very pl- pleased that you did what a really is, good job. at home is Michael will spend about an, about half an hour, sometimes an hour agonising over what the pun should be and saying words <laughs> and, so, and looking at things. And I'll just say the first thing that comes to my head and laugh and then leave it at that and never bother to contribute again. <laughs> and my contribution this week was half a boyfriend. Because she's got half a boyfriend because Arthur's not very... Committed. Committed, yeah. Half yeah. a boyfriend. Half of the, the time he's there and half of the time he's somewhere else. And we know where the other place is now as well, Weatherfield General, what's going on there. Um, and, then, and then we had a weird Billy storyline at the end that was about two scenes worth, which I guess is... I've, originally I had it as part of the Todd story and maybe it is, I, I don't know Michael's really. not committing himself to a I'm not. Fun. I'm yeah. not going to waste half an hour on a storyline title for Billy potentially being the new Archdeacon of Weatherfield. He said it was he's the bishop's bishop's underling. It's not underling, is it? That's assistant. Satanic. Assistant. He's like, um, what was Alice off the Vicar of Dibley? Oh, they... I know. Yeah. Like, like oh, her, a but good, a good assistant. word. I like that word. Oh, Began with a it? V, didn't it? I don't know. Mm. It doesn't matter. It doesn't matter, Gemma. Um, I, I'm going to leave this to you. To, to, to tell our dear listeners what happened in the totally different story. Verger. Verger. It's come to me. Verger merge. <laughs> come on, Gemma. What has our, um, uh, our new, yes. newly returned... Todd, what's Todd been up to? Scoundrel been up to this me? week. What's made him gulp this week? Oh, yeah, we had another theatrical gulp. Is that Todd's new thing? Yes. On Monday, Craig comes to see Eileen and Sean is... They're hovering while they're trying to sort of get him out of the room, but he, he doesn't take the hint. And so eventually Craig coughs up that he wants, um, that there's a body for Eileen to go well, Yeah, he's, he's just reminding her. Come and, will you come and see this body? Because we need the freezer space. Yes, this is the body that and stuff Toddy that tried to, to persuade Eileen. Uh, we went down Iceland and they're doing that five pound <laughs> meal deal thing where you can get, like, a whole dinner for £5, and we bought one each, and we didn't realise that the body would still be in there. Yeah, so get him out And these quick. little potato smiley Burying. faces are looking sadder and sadder by the day. <laughs> um, yeah, the, the, this is the body that Todd has told Eileen, can you tell everybody it's me, please, so that Mick 
um, will stop coming after me, please. Here's my question, right? When you have a body and you're and you you're unsure enough that you're going to offer it to anybody to have a look at you clearly you're clearly not that not that sure because Craig could have seen this and said whether he thinks it's it's Todd or not mm. um is there like a waiting list is somebody waiting for Eileen to come and look at this body before they're allowed to look at this body do they do it by like order of Ooh, good question. who's the most likely it is to be related to yeah we'll ask the main characters first going, wait, waiting for Eileen to go no so they can come and go oh, yeah actually it is our son <laughs> uh, at some point surely if there was another family that was waiting to find out couldn't they have just gone in front of her in the queue and gone oh it's actually no it is our son and Eileen <laughs> would have been like damn it no it's my son as well well she didn't well, you is... can't prove it because I can just change the photos whenever I want right come on let's keep going okay so um, Sean says oh how sad um, I'll come help you Look at the corpse. He's really good at looking at corpses now. That's all he ever does on his phone, remember? Oh, yeah, yeah. It's yeah. his newfound hobby. He probably wants to, like, take a secret snap. That's why he's so busy going there. He's, he's going to upload it to his corpse to, forum. To drag him up the canal dot com. <laughs> um, Eileen's like, no, I'd rather go alone, actually. You seem too excited about this. Not as excited as Billy gets later. He's insistent. Oh, okay. So Todd lets himself into number 11 around the back, and Eileen says, I'm disgusted by you. Your plan is stupid. Pretend you're dead. I can't believe that anyone would go along with it or even come up with it. Um, and it always makes me laugh when Corey catches you on the back foot here because some of the plans that people go along with are absolutely ridiculous and sometimes they point out how stupid they are and you can never really tell which plan it is that they're <laughs> going to have a problem with. So she says, I'm not going to do it. And he says, please, please, change your mind. I'll die, etc., etc. Trying to trying to manipulate her. In the factory, Sean tells Billy about the possibility that Todd's body has been discovered. He's a bit devastated at the thought of him being dead and also Eileen going by herself. He's like, I want this to be about me, Billy. How can I be in this scene? So he um, rushes to the police station and stops Eileen from identifying the body without him. Please, can I come with you? No, says Eileen. So back home later, Billy's desperate to know if it was um, Todd or not. He has to wait half an hour because it was the episode break. No, it wasn't him. <laughs> Billy, Billy's relieved. Um, that means they still have hope that he could still be alive. So poor, the, 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 Billy has no idea. The tension here was what has our Eileen said, because we obviously knew that it wasn't going to be Todd. Yes, but has we Eileen gone sure. along with Todd's stupid plan? Yeah. No, she didn't. But don't worry, there's plenty of time left for stupid plans this week. Eileen gets rid of Billy. She's very on edge. As soon as he's gone, she phones up Todd and says, I'm sorry, I couldn't say, I couldn't do it. I said it wasn't you. He puts the phone down on her. He is, he's livid. Eileen then says to, to Mary, uh, yeah, I knew it wasn't going to be him because actually he is actually alive. And um, not only that, but um, he's been meeting up with me. Sorry. George comes around later to make flower orders with Mary and um, she starts, she, what? Oh yeah, this is, I, didn't, I didn't elaborate on these notes. She, she says to him everything that's been happening. She passes on, she tells him all of Eileen's secrets. And, Does she um, say that Todd's alive? Yeah, yeah. She says everything. She says... And, um, and, and, and there's this guy called Mick Cheney, the, the, the local... Gangster. Um, gangster and, and he's after Todd and George coincidentally knows who this Mick Cheney is because he buried his brother recently and he's a he's um, a total was, psycho can I just point out it was legit though 
Hmm? George didn't just like bury him with oh, yeah. shoes. He, it was <laughs> on the part of his job. Um, so yeah, he's a he's total psycho. Says George. Oh, good. Says Mary. He says, Mary, keep out of this though. This is a bad idea. But wait, I have a worse idea. Let me just phone somebody up. Todd comes back later. Eileen says, I couldn't do it. I couldn't do it to Billy. I couldn't do it to Summer. Think about the poor person who's who's really dead there, their family. They need to know the truth. I couldn't lie. Todd says, right, that's it. doesn't even matter now. It uh, doesn't matter how much I owe him. It's irrelevant. It's the principle of the thing. Nobody steals from Mick. I'm going to die. I'm, I'm going. You'll never see me again. Don't even bother trying to give me the money. So on Wednesday... Eileen leaves a message on Todd's phone saying, oh, I can get about £1,300. And Mary arrives, looking a bit like Queen Victoria in mourning, but wearing a very nice jacket. Mm. Um, she, she later attaches some lace to her hair, so she looks very regally sad. <laughs> <laughs> I think she's been taking tips from Nina about how to dress in black. Okay. Eileen comes back from the the bank and she's got a big wadge of cash that she stuffs in the drawer because mary is trying to get her to come out to the shop and she says goodness you should change you need to wear something more funereal is that how you say it yeah eileen doesn't see i, I don't get it because eileen doesn't appear to know what's going on at this eileen point hasn't does she put together the very obvious clues that mary and also mary for some reason seems to want it to be a surprise for no real reason she's like you must come outside you must come outside but you must wear black first. I want you to wear black and not work out that you're coming out to a funeral. Yeah, you know, that thing that you've just been talking about. So um, so she she just ignores her and comes out anyway, anyway to find on her doorstep... No, it's not on the doorstep, it's outside the... To find outside, outside the, the flower, flower shop. shop. Okay. <laughs> um, the, a hearse with a, with a beautiful coffin and Todd written in flowers. And is don't worry, it's invisible to everybody else on the street. Only certain people can see this magical coffin and um, hers. That that was that was one of the problems nobody, that I had with usually this. On nobody show, noticed. You can't walk past. You can't walk past another street without hearing somebody having a very loud conversation about something that you shouldn't be hearing, or seeing people pass money to or drugs to each other, or even hearing it's like like you're some kind of sonic daredevil man through walls things that are happening <laughs> yet somehow nobody sees a, a very conspicuous hearse parked with the name of somebody that has been missing for years yeah and in their very mysterious circumstances and mary standing there full funeral garb crying loudly and theatrically over and over again pretending to be sad that todd is fake dead so don't don't worry about that that doesn't come up in case you were in case you were worried um she yeah, so she finds the hearse. She's not very grateful. There's even an order of service with various hymns and readings that George has thoughtfully selected that he thinks t- Todd might have liked. <laughs> I mean, they could probably save this and uh, change the dates. I don't know if they're going to need to change the face again. That's, to be, <laughs> that's still to be seen. Eileen, uh, surprisingly to me, Eileen says, this is a stupid idea and it will never work. I thought she was just going to go along with it. Um... George says, no, it's foolproof. We've got a cremation service booked and everything. It's at three o'clock. And not only are you invited, but we've also invited the evil villain man. 
because he definitely will come, um, even though all we know about him so far is that Todd owes him a grand. I didn't get... Uh, I don't know whether they explained it and I just missed it, but I'm not... I don't... I didn't get why Mick decided to come along. Well... Is he like Blanche and he's really into funerals? And, you know, any any excuse to go and sit there and have some, why, a finger why, why buffet would Mick not come? at the cram? Well, I, why would he come? Because they're lovers. But George didn't know that. No, I know, George didn't know that. That's the stupid part of it. George somehow thinks that you can have a socially distanced COVID secure funeral where you only invite how many? 30 people, is it, mm. maximum? And for some reason, the mother of the deceased decides to invite only the person who did the flowers, the person who did the funeral, and the person who was trying to murder the person <laughs> who is now dead. Mm. And Mick's supposed to just turn up and go, great, where's the sandwiches? <laughs> so, of course, Mick does turn up, and we don't know really know why, apart from the fact that he's after Todd. Um... So he sees this and he's just he doing his usual villainous loitering. He immediately knows he's not he's not dead. Um yes, yeah, so they're all arguing and Charlie's saying this is stupid. Mary's wailing, Mick turns up, and as soon as Eileen sees Mick, she goes, Just stop it, everybody, this is so stupid. Of course Todd's not dead. I just don't know where he is. I'm so, I, this wasn't my idea. I I apologize for the fake funeral. Mick says, um, well, I still want to find him and George I'm only not cross at you because of the lovely do that you put on for my dearly departed brother um Todd shows up at number 11 because that's what he does all week basically turns up right as somebody leaves in the most tempting of fate fashion you've ever seen yeah like he's got a string connected to his from his belt to the door and every time the door closes he pings down the staircase (laughs) going who was that who was that did the post come for me Uh, Eileen and Mick and Todd are all at number 11. Yeah. yeah. Todd's hiding. No, Todd, yeah, Todd's hiding upstairs. Mick and Eileen are talking and Mick says, Todd's not here now, but I can wait. I don't mind. Todd's carrying on the stairs. Um, Eileen's trying to give him money and trying to give him tea, I think. Mm. And um, he reveals what shocked me is that actually he and Todd were an item. What a twist. Twist. Um, Mick says... Phone Eileen, um, phone Todd Eileen, and I was like, "Oh no, he's sitting on the staircase. If his phone rings, he's mm. gonna know he's there." But um, Todd starts trying to creep down the stairs, makes too much noise, distracts Eileen, who then stalls Mick with an offer of tea. Then he drinks the tea or eats the tea. I don't know which drinks tea this the tea. was. This was tearing the tea like and get out, wasn't it? Oh yeah, remember? that's right. Um, he he hears the creaking from upstairs, knows Todd's there, gets his gun out. Calls Todd to come down, holds the gun at Eileen, and um, he's like, oh, it looks like we're going to need that coffin after all. But who knows whether they're going to need those particular names. Might yeah. need to say Eileen. You can't even take any letters. <laughs> That's the tragic bit. Um, Mick says, I'm going to take Todd away and you'll never see your mum again. And this is when Gary, with his sonic ear rolls, hears everything that's going on not just in the house, but in the back room of the house, when previously we've never been able to hear conversations going on from the street, which is probably a good thing. Well, there's, yeah, there's so I much arguing the going on, usually. I are just trying to really desperately 
make excuses for why everybody knows everything. I don't know why they don't just invent some kind of special Costa limited edition drink that makes you all psychic. Because that would really help. What are you thinking about me? <laughs> oh, okay. Well, yeah, I'll see you later then. <laughs> um, so... This is very dramatic, but not really, because I wasn't really worried about anybody dying here, nope. were you? They didn't bring Todd back. Not at all. They didn't recast Todd just to get him shot. Mick is really an, an interesting person. I don't care if he lives or dies. They're not going to kill Eileen. So I wasn't really worried Yeah, the, the or threat concerned. level was pretty low. Threat level midday. <laughs> um, Gary, um, so, yeah, so... Mick and Todd go outside. Eileen's there going, oh, no. Then she hears a thump, goes outside. <laughs> Gary's there looking very pleased with himself with a giant wooden pole. But he's beating the daylights out of Mick, who's on the floor, unconscious. Um, Gary says, phone the police. And Todd's like, no, don't tell the police. I can't have them involved. I don't really know why. Eileen's saying, that, and they're also worrying about whether he's dead or not, aren't they? And then somebody says, no, he's not dead. But she then proves by waking up and going, grr, curses. I know he's like, you're, I'll get you next time, gadget. And Gary's like, it's not a gadget, it's just a stick. And then that's the end of the episode. And we, all we can assume is that well, as no. soon as that happened... No, he, Eileen says, you got your money, you're even now. And Mick says, no, we're not even. You'll know when we're yes. even. Then it's the <laughs> end of the episode and we can only assume that Eileen and Todd kind of go inside. Gary goes back to his furniture shop and Mick just kind of picks himself up, brushes himself yeah, off and, and goes, staggers out down the ginnel. This ginnel's. is embarrassing. I'm going to treat myself to a speed dial. <laughs> um, I can only assume that um, people are missing Panto and just acting like they're in a panto at the moment, <laughs> just for fun. We weren't sure about whether Friday's episode started straight afterwards either, were it, we? Or whether it was it the was time, the next day. The time is very loosey-goosey on Coronation Street at the moment. It used to be very obvious what day of the week you were in, and it was all, almost always, we're at a new day. Each each day you watched yeah, it, it pretty much, a new day. It pretty much is now still, but I was just, <laughs> I was just confused I with this so. because the way that no, the, the no, Wednesday's episode before. ended... It felt like it shouldn't have been the end of a day yeah, know, because they need to resolve that issue of there's a there's a knocked out gangster in the in the ginnel. He just took himself away very nicely. Yeah. Um, looks like the trash took itself out. <laughs> um, they did this with um, Tim and Sally's wedding though because I'm not actually sure what the date in canon is for their wedding day. Why? Because I think it didn't it span over more than... No, it was all last Wednesday. But I think that the Wednesday followed from the Monday and there was no Tuesday in the world of Coronation Street. There never Street. is. I know. Oh, I know there never <laughs> is. On Friday, Eileen is grateful to Gary, but she won't answer any of his questions about what the heck was going on. Um, and she says, um, Todd's run away. And he's like, what about the gun? And she says... Um, I put it, I put it in the bin. Put it in the bin and the red wreck, and then and I phoned the police. Said, Hopefully, she did stick around and wait to see that the police picked it up, and she didn't just say, "I'll assume that the police get the gun." They're always so quick to get here. And the not way that... she was talking about it at the beginning, I thought she was like, "I phoned the police, and they said just throw it in the bin." <laughs> they don't said, use there's it, so many guns fine. around; it doesn't make any difference really whether somebody gets hold of it. Just make sure there's no kids about. Yeah, I'm sure the hoo ha they had with that antique. Gun over Christmas time as yeah. well. And now he's like, okay, oh, hang on, no, no, sorry, can I just ask, um, is it recycling or is it general waste? <laughs> <laughs> Should I put it with my batteries? 
Um, so Gary says, people like Mick don't just forget, you know, you still got to worry. Gary goes and Todd goes whoop downstairs straight away. Hello, mum, make me some breakfast, I think. Paul's moaning about, oh, this isn't, this is Paul's... Oh, yeah, I didn't mean to keep this in this. This is a later storyline, but we okay. might as well say while we're Paul's here. Paul's moaning that he, he doesn't know if he can be a phone counsellor. Yeah. I don't know if I want a self-doubting phone counsellor when I'm <laughs> seeking mental health advice. No. Todd tells Eileen that um, the last thing that anyone will expect is that Todd is staying with his mum. He's like, this is the stupid thing to do, therefore no one will think that's what Well, I'm it's doing. mostly Mick, isn't therefore, it? Therefore, it's a really genius thing Eileen's saying, what if Mick comes back here? And, and Todd will say, and Todd says, oh, Mick will never come back here because he'll assume that that would be a stupid thing that to do. That was the original so plan, when they were going to say that he was dead. Mm. <sighs> isn't Todd a dick now? I just It just occurred to me that um, originally when he was saying, tell Mick I'm dead... We were thinking it's just some anonymous gangster who owes a thousand pounds to. But actually, although Mick doesn't seem to have any real emotion, like yeah, at the moment he's got like the emotional range of a cockroach. But if you really had been a lover of somebody and then it turned to hatred, but then you found out they were dead, you might feel some emotions. You might feel sadness, not necessarily straight away, but it's still a bit of a mean thing to do to somebody that you is your ex-boyfriend. I don't think there's any love between them. It's not quite the same thing as ghosting you, someone on Facebook, is it? Anyway, so, um, so Todd's saying, oh, oh, what about Billy and Summer? Summer was the most important thing to, in my life, because if you have forgotten, the last time we saw Todd in the show was when he was driving off, kidnapping Summer, because he couldn't bear to be apart from her, and that's the, and that's the last thing we saw. So Eileen says, yes, she's very frightened, why didn't you contact us before? And he says, I couldn't, I was too ashamed. There's always a weak reason why people haven't phoned. Yeah, it's inexplicably like, long absences and lack of Sorry, contact. Mum, I didn't phone, but there were no funerals or weddings for me to have excuses for not going to. Usually on Coronation Street, the reason is, sorry, my mobile ran out of battery, but maybe that would be stretching it if they tried to I say it was for three years. I lost my charger for three years. <laughs> <laughs> uh Maria tells Gary that he needs to report what happened with Mick and Mick happens to coincidentally be watching them from his car. Then Todd sees Mick and hides from him and does his cartoon gulp again. This is in the house, isn't it? Mick's skulking around the ginnel and goes around the backyard and Todd's there making himself a cup of tea and yeah, yeah, sees him coming yeah, and he's like... Um, I wonder whether what, how much of a percentage of the... Audition was just gulping. Yeah, probably. Command. Um, Mick goes to see Gary. Where's Todd? I've got my goon here. You tell us what's going on. There's a, there's a scuffle. They escape. Gail's there. They nearly get her, but unfortunately they miss. She takes a photo of the number plate, which would be very difficult to remember otherwise. What was it? It was, it was like, a personalised... It was a... Yeah, I don't remember what it was. It would have been fairly easy to remember. But... <laughs> it was like... Build or something? I don't remember. Oh, yeah, yeah. What is Build V? Well, she can't be expected to remember. She's 80. <laughs> <laughs> so, um, Maria goes to the shop and, oh dear, Gary's on the floor. Give him a poke with a two-metre stick, see if he's all right. She goes off and finds Craig, who's very, very keen to remind everybody he's still a policeman 
and he's the only one who's taken his job seriously. The rest of them are probably down Krispy Kreme, <laughs> trying to make that stereotype work in the UK. Um, Maria says, just tell Craig about Todd and the gun. And of course, now he, she said this, Craig is like, what gun? And, Maria basically and says... Just Gary, tell him, just tell yeah, him. Yeah, Gary wants to say quiet about it, doesn't yeah. she? So Maria well, just says, well, I this hope... is what's happened. Todd's yeah. back. And oh, says, my God, you won't believe it. Listen to this. Todd's back and, he's shoot- and his friend is shooting everybody. And there was also a fake funeral, but I haven't quite got the hang of what that was about. Eileen says... Craig, Craig goes to, to Eileen and said, what's this about... What's this about Todd and a gun? And Craig, and she says, oh, Gary's just lying because he's a loan shark again and he's trying to tell Maria that he's not and she believes him and I don't. It's all rubbish. Why would Todd be here? What do you mean a gun? That's all nonsense. Craig's like, okay, sounds good. I won't question you. Yeah, sounds legit. Not much paperwork there. Sounds great. I, can I just, believe you, so Eileen. So all this I just wrote, I can throw away is what you're saying to me. A man with a gun sounds a bit scary to me, says Craig. Don't like the idea of that. I'll just cross that out. <laughs> she he goes, the door closes a millimetre and Todd's down the stairs again. <laughs> Is that the postman? <laughs> Sorry, I'm just expecting my coronation street bit. <laughs> <laughs> I want to see if they'll get any pictures of me in it. <laughs> oh, sorry, i got to break something um, to you. This was published. Oh, yeah, the, the design was done a couple I've of months ago. some sharpied out pictures. <laughs> Eileen says... Um, I was going to report Mick, but... Oh, no, I'm going to report Mick. And Todd says, don't do it. Give me one more day to sort things out myself. And he's had three years, and this is what stage that he's at. I don't think he can be trusted. But for some reason, Eileen decides to, to leave him to his devices. Gary come, Gary's heard from Craig, who says, sorry, he said, she said, as usual. I'll tell you what, I'm not going to side with the, the man this time. I'm going to side with a woman. I just, I, just I love how uh, that there was, you know, reports of a gun. That seems quite serious to me. And the police officer was and just no like, point did nah, Craig somebody go, said there wasn't I one. I better just ask my boss. Yeah. There was a gun here before, you know. It's not unheard of. <laughs> so he's like, yeah, I, I don't, I don't want to be involved in this really. I was only in it for the uniform. Um, Gary's furious about the fact that Craig's just given up on this and he's going to have it out with Eileen. He goes round, tells Eileen off, like this is the last time I'm going to put my neck on the line for Todd or anybody else. So we are now establishing that Gary is feeling a bit disgruntled with his fellow man. He goes, Todd comes down the stairs, not a second later. Um, (laughs) That was definitely the postman. (laughs) Gary goes to the pub. Gail is there, very handily. And we get, again, Sarah being the genius liar who everybody should be taking notes from. They say, oh, yeah, I remember when you got beaten up. The men ran out of the of of your yard into a van, nearly run me over. So I took a photo of it. And Gary says, have you still got it? And, and Sarah says, no, no, mum, no, remember. No, you don't remember what wink, remember. Wink. Mum, I I deleted it because there was um, there was no space for my selfies, and I needed a selfie to show Adam my new hairstyle. So yeah, there's sorry, yeah, we deleted it because it was really blurry as well, and it, it made Gail look really old. <laughs> <laughs> and 
Um, basically, Gary gets the cold shoulder. Everybody acts as though he had it coming. Maria gets annoyed as well. Yeah, Jenny's there as well, saying the same thing, isn't she? Like, like you, nobody's you really on Gary's side. And he has just put his neck on the line to help Todd and been beaten up with witnesses around who are all now turning their backs on him. And there is a conclusion to all of this, but that's we're going to put that into the next story, into the, all the Ray stuff, because Gary, Gary's got his finger in many pies this week, hasn't he? Well, two. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, that's more than enough. More than enough pies for one man. Um, right, so Gemma. Todd thoughts, update, story. What do we think of this one this week? Maybe listeners can tell from the way that we're describing it, but I don't think it particularly uh, worked for me this week. I'm so, I'm, just... I'm honestly very, very sad to say, but I also would like to point out, I told you so when, we, when I said earlier, like earlier in the year and many years before, it's <laughs> going to be really hard to recast Todd and accept him. I think they've just gone, let's not pretend... Let's just have this be a different Todd. And I didn't really want that to happen. I was so excited for Todd to come back. I I thought that they would try a bit harder to make him similar. But you know what? They've never they've not done that before. It's not like it's a thing that Corey does. And the, like we he said about Nick Nick the Nicks being replaced it couldn't be more different from one another. Um, the actors in looks and how they portrayed the character. Um, I, but it's just the Adam Rickett Nick wasn't quite so. Um, is beloved the right word? I don't. I, I don't know. Is there's so, so, no yeah. I I really. It's difficult I when was, you're replacing I, a char- an actor and a character that you'd never w- intended to get rid of in the first place. Yeah. I I honestly wanted to give him a chance. And I said, no, we I'm said after last week's I'm episodes, just... well, he's only been in one episode so far, but it's just not working for me. And I, 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 this isn't, you know, slagging off Gareth Pierce or anything. It's just... It, they haven't given I, him a very good storyline. They've not given him a good storyline. The direction the it appears that he's been have... given is to act in the most untoddly way possible. He just seems to be a quivering wreck. You know, gulping, too... scared, skulking. There's, I, I just, I'm not seeing any of the charisma okay. or charm or swagger or anything like that. That or manipulation. The, no, that the old Todd embodied. I mean, there's a bit of manipulation, trying no, to get Eileen to really. do the fake funeral. What I would have liked for Todd is for him to have um, come back and pretended to Eileen that everything's good. Like, he, he invites her to a swanky restaurant or something and he's putting on some show, yeah, everything's good for me now, sorry, mum, and everything. And then maybe we find out that something's he's wrong and he's just money. putting on an act. Yeah, but instead he comes back just desperate and and nervous and and scared of this guy who isn't really that scary. That's the, the problem to this storyline. Mick was absolute dud of a villain there was a bit when he was sort of going oh i'm gonna shoot you or something and where when he was sitting in the house and he was saying to eileen oh i don't mind waiting and he was kind of grinning at her and sort of leering and you went oh he's not scary at all and i went i don't think he's supposed to be scary i think he's supposed to be funny and then he tried to kill todd and i was like Huh. Well, like last Maybe week when we saw Mick, he was uh, he was threatening, not super threatening, but 
um, you know, menacing. It's kind of menacing. An air of general menace. But but then when he comes on Wednesday to the funeral stuff this week, and he starts making jokes and knocking on the the coffin and going, "Hello, Todd, are you in there?" And then saying to George, "Oh, you did my really nice funeral for my brother." Like any any kind of threat or menace that he'd exuded up to that point completely vanished to me because they were giving him some comedy villain lines and then back at Eileen's... It was hamming, it was hamming. Yeah, and then back at Eileen's holding a cup and saucer, stirring his tea. Oh yeah, and going, oh, I always say that that it tastes better out of a cup and saucer than it does out of a mug. And now some villains can, you know, be charming or say the charming lines, you know, like like the Pats and the, and the Jezzers and everything, but... It didn't work. It, it really, really didn't work. And he didn't... wasn't, and and he just and the way, and I, I don't like to always talk about how the characters or the actors look or anything, but he was clearly made up to be the typical, you know, um, thug, a th- thuggish looking guy, you know, with a with the with the, the the ears and the and the gruff face and the like a yob. It, he was yeah, uh, like a yobby scallywag from from the estate. Yeah, he he, he just was. looked he just looked far too. Look at me, I'm a I'm a, a an geezer. old he's geezer scumbag. Sorry, no <laughs> offense to the actor. I'm sure you're lovely. No, and you drink your tea from uh, tea from porcelain cups drink all the time. Drink your tea wherever you want. But yeah, it, it's. Uh, it was just a, a real low effort villain, it seemed, which m- made it seem even sillier that Todd was scared of him. Then they throw in the line about, oh, we used to be lovers. Like, what? where did that come from? Is that important? Or are you just saying that to get some kind of reaction? Because it did get a reaction from Eileen, who was like, yeah. And we kind of looked at each other and went, ooh. But it's like, is that is that a necessary it's really part to the plot? I don't know. Maybe it, it will be. It did not appear to be, to me that they were suited in any way whatsoever, it made the whole thing really sordid and grim because you know that Todd was... This is not Todd's type. Todd doesn't go for rough, raggedy scallywags. He likes put-together, intelligent... Mm. Well, middle class men I'm trying to think of who we've seen Todd with before well, and there was obviously Billy yeah. but then there was also that Jules who was the guy from London who was the you know the, the toffee guy yeah um, and I can't remember if that was the one that um, that caused him to go bad again you know it's just a bit gross because you know that Todd is using this guy um, yeah and, to and, get some of that sweet thug money and sleeping with him which is I really gross just to, to manipulate somebody but this guy also um, did not seem to have any emotional attachment to the statement we used to be lovers like he wasn't kind of like upset and betrayed it was just like he threw it out as if he was saying we used to go and bet on the dogs together mm. there was no more emotional attachment to it than that it, what's, what's the point of saying it I guess I guess it, it tells any... us that Todd has look how far he has fallen. To that, this is the only you know that he's so desperate that he's c- can only cling to this. Yeah, I know. It makes Todd look worse. Yeah, it makes Todd look grimy and desperate, and also makes him look a bit more scally and chavy mm. than he was. I don't think old Todd would attack this guy with a barge pole. So why 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 are we making why are we bringing Todd back? To make him desperate and weak and cowardly and grimy and grim and sordid. Yeah. Uh, and, and 
and just icky all around when the that's not what the purpose of the character was. He was always manipulative, slimy, charming, out for himself, very, very focused on what Todd wants Todd gets. But 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 he did also have uh, a quite a wholesome, nice mummy's boyish sort of side. Because I, I mean, I'm thinking of the the early Todd before he went a bit bit more villainous. And he will. He did used to be, you know, the kind of boy that you'd want your daughter to bring home to see you or whatever. <laughs> uh, well, yeah, that that's how it was at the beginning. Anyway, when he was going out with but Sarah Louise, he did have some but, nice bits with Billy. I mean, yeah, he did. He Billy, he absolutely Billy might did. Be a bit of an idiot, but he wasn't so dumb as to end up with someone who like current Todd. Mm. What has happened? The only thing that is making me stop pushing the critique too far is. Is there going to be some kind of amazing revelation that we get that what what happened to Todd in these three years that's going to explain everything, make everything okay? But we already <laughs> had that be. before, didn't we? Because when he came back before, he was different because he, he used to be a lot nicer and then he came back as a nasty piece of work and we were wondering for ages, what is it? What could have happened in London that's turned... Um, that that's turned Todd it's so the bitter, price of the beer. and and then it turned out it's to be some weak reason that he revealed to Billy sitting in an hospital one day or something. I can't I can't remember. I I, I don't also, think it is. I, I think that say... I just I, I don't know whether Gareth Pierce has quite got what makes Todd Todd. And right. I know that if for the audition he did watch old Todd, but he's also has said in interviews since that he's not trying to emulate him. He's but putting I his think own that fresh probably spin on him. is just them saying, "Don't be new Todd. We're not doing." I mean, be new Todd. Don't be old Todd. We're not do old Todd's gone. We're not doing that anymore. I don't think they're trying. I don't think this is what the point of the story is. I, I'm interested to see when this is all when this all blows over. And I mean, what's going to happen? Like years time. M- Mick's Mick's going to either end up dead or arrested. This is what the problem is. N- Mick's not going to triumph over a character that they've specifically brought back. No. After after three years. So when that, they didn't bring him back for Mick. When that's all over and done with, then he's going to cause problems with Billy, isn't he? He's going to try back to Billy, and then Billy Paul's going to be all danger. angsting again. What will Summer say? But, but when that's all over and done <laughs> with, and, and Todd's, you know, off the hook, as it were, will he... Um, mellow out. Yeah, will he mellow will out and be, become Todd. more Todd, or will he still be you know, the shadow of his former self that he currently is? And I feel so bad saying that. And, and it's not even... I, I don't know. It's... I'm also thinking, like, what could it be in the three years something terrible has happened? And I'm thinking to all of the things that has happened to various characters very, very recently on the show, and they've just pushed the end... They've pushed it so far that there's nothing that I can think of that makes any sense that would be shocking and unusual mm. for for him to have come back or fallen so far. You've got... The, we've had male rape with... with um, David. With David, that could have been something they tackled with this character. We've had doing drugs in a church. Billy's already done that very recently. We've had male mental health with with David and Aiden. Mm. We've had. Um, I, I I honestly, I, all I think it is is he's been living rough for three we've got years. Paul as well he's, with d- dealing yeah. with sexual. He's abuse. been living rough. He's been on the run, 
And because of oh, all this... Oh, and sorry, this, the other person was Carla when she was on a drugs binge sleeping with that guy, oh, yeah, being yeah, raped yeah, by that guy. I think it's a all similar situation things, to that. I know, but they've all just only just happened to other characters that were in the show that we actually care about who are played by actors that have been in the show for a long time and have established themselves as those characters and therefore elicit more sympathy. Yeah, because well, we as viewers much... can look at them and say, wow, they've changed. Yeah, well, I don't know how much that we can get out of Todd. Yeah, and with Todd like it's this. like... You're new. Yeah. It's not you've changed. It's it's you're it's like not. You're different. You're not. <laughs> I feel so bad. I was so but bad. But you know what? It's still Again, early I days. Said, it's still early days. I said. I said. I've said. I've decided. This isn't. This is just a different Todd, and um, that's how I'm dealing with it. Mm. Because I really want. I really think. Um, that I want to give the the actor a chance. I really do. I really think he's been stitched up. Uh, yeah. I I want the ju- uh, I want the. Grimshaw's to be rejuvenated because Eileen has been kind of meandering a bit since the Pat Feeling thing. She hasn't thing. done anything. She's I been would, treading water. I would love for the the Grimshaws to have the rena- same sort of renaissance as the Allahans are going through at the moment. So not coming to the forefront of the show or anything, but they used to be so so, so key. Yeah. Uh, and 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 this could be the chance. Still, I'm not going to say could have been. It could still be the chance to put them back on the map. I'd I'd love it, but I so it's so hard. I just think it was a me- there were so many mistakes made here. What why have them be boyfriended? I the only reason I could think of why they made Mick and Todd boyfriends was so that we could go. Oh, I did not expect that. Like it was that was it. Mm. There's no greater. It doesn't add any depth to the story. It doesn't change. It doesn't have any effect on Mick's motivation. It, it might still do. It might still do. In the I future, don't know. But the way that in. Mick turned up, laughing at this funeral, I don't think I would laugh at somebody's funeral. I mean, unless he's a psychopath, in which case he hasn't got any emotions. In which case, who cares what he thinks about anything? But, the the other kind of problem with this, and I'm sorry this is turning into a, a bit of a rant, is they don't seem to know whether this is a serious, dramatic, yes. edge of your seat storyline, or is it comedic? Because the Mary and George element to it <laughs> kind of throws it off, and and, and I think it's Mick because of that, well. yeah, and Mick as well. But because of that, when Eileen was held at gunpoint, it's like, oh, this is this is weird. Five minutes ago, Mary was wailing her head off, pretending that Todd was dead, and it, I know Corey yeah, is I know. about the drama and the humour, but it it really so much in this, in one story it's usually here's the comedy storyline you know here's the dramatic one and here's the light release yeah. story not just shove them in the same storyline together mm. and wonder why people are getting confused yeah now on the subject of that funeral plan i was adamant last week that they were going to go through with it because the, you know the the idea had been uh, you know, put, put out there and um, it, I was kind of half right and half wrong, I suppose, in there because it, they went ahead with it for the for the spectacle of having the hearse with the Todd flowers and everything. But I am actually very, very glad that Eileen stuck to her guns and said, no, this is silly. Because last week I was thinking, oh, Eileen's probably going to go along for it with Todd. But actually seeing Eileen saying, no, this is ridiculous, this is stupid. And also her saying... It. Don't be an idiot, Mary. Uh, even when Mary started <laughs> crying, I was thinking, oh, I, I, is Eileen going to go along with it? But then when she said no, I thought, yeah, you're right, Eileen would say that. She's she's not one for putting on an act. She yeah, calls a spade weird. a spade. It was weird. It was like, it literally was the characters from the comedy storyline and the characters from the serious storyline meeting together and the, the serious character going, what are you doing? You're ruining this story. Stop being idiots. This is serious. He's got a gun. Mm. They what 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 are your thoughts on George been on this? Because I I I think he's really he he's 
I'm waiting. He's not overly comedic, like Mary obviously was in there. I think he's just on the right side of... Don't think too hard about whether somebody who was a fu- was a funeral director by trade, whether they would put their neck on the line to help a friend of someone they barely know to fake a funeral and whether that would have any bearing on their reputation and also how <laughs> routinely the guys, the old boys down at the, at the creme just burn empty coffins as a favour <laughs> to people to fake Yeah, deaths. don't think too hard about don't that. Don't think about whether this happens very often. Maybe a bit silly. But, yeah, I, I, I do still like George. No wonder there are so many missing people in Weatherfield. And... They probably just go, look, We'll just put this body in there because you know what? I really it really breaks my heart to see him going empty. You know what I mean? Isn't it? I mean, we stoke up the fire so hard; it's just a shame to waste it. Yeah, look at the craftsmanship be, that went into this MDF coffin. It's going to be coffin. burning anyway. You might as well <laughs> use it up for something. Yeah. No. I, what, what are you? What do you? Are you liking George? Because this is probably the most we've seen of George since he arrived because he's had his little sporadic one scene only appearances he's and he's had a, a series of scenes this week and it's like I, th- I think I like him I'm but really don't rooting for him but I am not I am if you said that was his final scene I'd say well that was sad missed opportunity mm. but I wouldn't be too bothered because I just don't get what he another it's another example of he's doing what the story needs him to do illogically and with no thought for himself or or having any motivations personally beyond oh, this is what the plot needs me to do. Well, he's... I know he's trying to impress Mary, but, you know, you take it down the beast street. Don't burn <laughs> a fake coffin. But I, I think that he has got potential. Yeah, I, I do, yeah. If, if, I mean, he's got the we've legacy. seen about the... Well, we've, we've, probably, we've definitely seen more of New Todd than we have than him, but I'm, I'm feeling more confident that George is going to be a more enjoyable character to watch than, than New Todd is at the moment. He's got a bit about him. He's a good actor. I don't know him from Benidorm, which I know a lot of Coronation Street viewers are watching him and thinking him of being actually quite a different character from Benidorm, so I'm glad that I don't have that going around in the back of my mind. Um, and, and you're right, he, he's got some gravitas and um, I think he is, he could well be fit to follow in the footsteps of the late, great Roy Hurd. He just hasn't had any agency yet and I would like no. to see him do something beyond consult Mary about mm. where, what, you know, and what grows and And the, the thing with Archie was that he was very good at doing the serious stuff when they needed to as well. A bit like Fred Elliott, really. He was great, great comic because Roy Hurd was... But when when it called for it to have serious scenes with, you know, Blanche or Audrey or whatever, he absolutely could and he can be heartbreakingly serious. I know. So I hope that we some, get to see some of that from, from George as well. Some of the some of Britain's best comedic actors are actually incredibly talented at turning that to drama. Mm. Mm. I mean, you we've had you've mentioned Cory Cory people. But I mean, even think of like, uh, even Ricky Gervais. In oh yeah, yeah, yeah. In Afterlife, in Afterlife yeah. He he manages to turn that comedy into tragedy, you know, with a flick of a finger. Yeah, that's that's the mark of a a proper a, like a you know a, a really great com- comedian and actor, someone who can do that. So I'm I'm very I, I'm look I'm look forward to seeing him in scenes, and I hope that we get to see more. And of him Coronation Street is very very good at picking up these people. Yes. And, and creating a pool of talent of actors who are 
you know, that, who can do that a bit good, of both. Yeah. Yeah. Shall, we, shall we move on? I think we've made our thoughts on, uh, on this storyline quite you clear. Do more about what I thought about... <laughs> oh, gosh, it's so sad. It's really, really sad. But I'm still... I'm still willing. I've not given up on him yet. I've not washed my hands I, of him. I don't think that any early criticism should ruffle anyone's feathers or throw anybody off their stride because this is not a as a a bit part in a 10 part series this is a major part in an ongoing so he's going to have a lot he's to do he's got a lot ahead of him and he will have many chances yeah and there will be lots of storylines and they he will establish himself and I still think it's unfair to be judging him at the moment. But what I am going to stop doing is expecting him to be old Todd. And you know what? I kind of feel really emotionally sad about saying goodbye finally to Todd as a character. Because before we had a recast, I knew Bruno Lang would never come back and I wouldn't want him to at this point. But I always held out hope that somebody might be able to capture the things I loved about Todd and bring it back to the show at some point and that dream is dead. Oh, damn And I feel really sad. That is sad. I, I've not yeah. quite you given never, up you yet. Never, you weren't optimistic so you don't really have that emotional... No, no, I, I wasn't optimistic but uh, I'm, not, yeah, I'm not ready to say goodbye yet. I, but you know the, what? The, when the I, dream I'm, dies, I'm still going to wait and see. You just need to go and get yourself a new dream, don't you? The story has come in very bombastic and a bit sensational and a bit silly. And very I'm hoping silly. that when we've gone out of the whole, oh, he's got a gun, drama, cliffhanger, when I we can tone things down a bit, really maybe you'll be okay. I'm really confused myself as to whether I am wearing rose tinted glasses about what I thought about Todd. I think there might be a bit of that, but all I know was when Todd was in it, if you were to ask me top five male characters currently, he would be in there. He's an interesting character, whether likeable or not. It's not quite as bad as if they changed David, but it's not far off. I know, I know. It's not far off. Yeah. It's big shoes to fill. Right. Which you, wouldn't, really which you wouldn't get with David. He's got little feet like me. Shut up! <laughs> That's why you would recast him as like someone six foot five. Yeah. Built imagine. like a brick. Right. Um, raise race to raise the place. <laughs> Monday. Maria is reminding Gary and us that she wants to make an offer to buy the barbers. She says, remember when we were on honeymoon and in between all that wall-to-wall bonking and candlelit dinners, I told you that I quite fancy buying Trim Up North. So what I'm going to need to do is sell the salon, (laughs) which is the one I actually own at the moment, even though I work at Trim Up North. Remember, keep up everybody. And probably I'll get need to get a little bit extra of money too. And Gary says, that sounds great, but he doesn't look like he's really invested in that. Well, he's probably just like a normal guy listening to his wife prattling on. Yeah. Like what you get I know, when I, I start talking to you about things <laughs> and I say, are you listening? Now, sadly for Maria, her dream is uh, maybe up later her on. Because she, passion. Yeah, her lifelong passion to Recently own discovered. the place that she used to work in is that, no, to own, no, own the place that she now does work in is that she, because, oh, I don't know, how do I start this sentence? Look, she's found a letter behind the toaster because he's stuffed it in the most <laughs> obvious place. But um, it's a it's a it's a credit it's a hidden credit card bill. This is why you get yourself a shredder. That that says, "Dear Mr. Wendas, you've just been on honeymoon for six weeks. <laughs> you owe us a bit of money, actually." Those candlelit dinners, Maria was not joking. Mm. 
If you, for some reason, if you go up north and you want them to turn the lights off and light a candle, they whack 50 quid on the bill immediately <laughs> and they still give you Nando's. I thought up north that as soon as it hit like eight o'clock, they had to turn off the Aleki and light candles every night. <laughs> um, he says, yeah, yeah, it's the wedding, it's the, it's the honeymoon, it set me back a little bit. And he says, and she says, oh, Gary, I just want no more secrets, okay? Hashtag no more secrets between and he us. Says, I will never lie to you again from now on unless mm. you ask me directly something I don't want to tell you. Yes. Um, poor old Fizz loses her job. Gary has to give her the boot because, you know, money's tight and everything. No, 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 no. Let me correct you. Gary gives Fizz the boot because they are basically trying to make a business out of a car boot sale. <laughs> yeah. Can't or afford to employ two people. That, that during a pandemic. Mm-hmm. What is the what? Unless they had loads of office chairs and desks there, they ain't selling anything. But Gemma, Riz is an antiques expert. Remember that little known fact about her that because it was mentioned once or twice, I know she had her old friend Kim. And if you look really carefully at the wares there, they might look like a bunch of ratty old rattan furniture and bits of tat that nobody wants but actually it's all just priceless antiques yeah and without Fizz there to tell it he's probably going to sell oh, yeah, she knew some what priceless that chair was yeah. that time yeah 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 anyway um, so she, she goes off she drops off and then Ray comes right in there with a business proposition for Gary he wants to buy the factory the actual you know the land that it's on the, the building itself and he he blatantly says yeah I want to expand my empire and offers him £150,000 which sounds pretty good for me but Gary's like nope it's not for sale um what else has happened oh yeah we also find out in that episode that Maria has volunteered Gary to um fix David's sinkhole um and he tells her about Ray's offer but he turned it down and she can't believe it because she thinks that that little money injection from Ray would be just what they need so that she can buy the barber's shop Next day, Maria nags Gary a little bit more. Have you thought any more about Ray's offer? I really, really want to buy that place. And he says, oh, the time's not right. The factory is the more reliable option right now. I, I hear that there are good things in British textile manufacturing. The, the stocks they, are just about to rise. Do they talk about this or do they talk about this later? No, I think that this is where they say it now. I think this is where Maria points out what everyone else has been saying for a very for long about time. about 25 years. You, how are you competing with foreign imports which are cheaper and let's be honest higher quality than what beth can churn out yeah he and, says we just are okay and he says it's a more reliable business during a pandemic people always need pants but hairstyles who needs them that's true we managed to go a good you know three four months all of us did earlier this year without getting a haircut but i think he's been watching i Boris's... didn't go commando during lockdown what i'm just saying i needed my pants True, true. Although I could have gone commando because nobody else was around here. Exactly. Just you. Boris Johnson, if you were to look at his hair, you might think that professional hairstylists were <laughs> extinct as a breed, but he's not the best person to listen to about anything. I hear there's a very um, in-demand hairstylist in Weatherfield that um, is perfect. <laughs> what was his name? For, uh, I don't remember. Philandro. I don't know. <laughs> Anyway, Gary's got another letter on Wednesday. Todd's dead jealous at this point. Gary's been getting all the posts yeah, and he's had nothing. You, is there anything there for me? <laughs> it's from I've the got, company. I've got my Blue Peter badge. Right, so everybody, you need to pay attention right, to listen. this. So, do you remember that Ray bought the garage off of Kevin? Yes. Like ages ago. Yes, because it also turns out, and Bobby. I 
of Abbey, it also turns out, and I kind of forgotten about this, that he also bought the other bit of the garage that was burned down by Andy Carver, you know, the bit that's next to the... Which is attached to the bistro. Yeah, which is where Gary's got his furniture business. So... Which is where he stole his rubbish. Gary thought that that Kevin was his landlord, but actually it turns out that the person that bought, i.e. Ray, the person that... Ray, it turns out that Ray owns it, but Gary doesn't know at this point that it's Ray, and Kevin won't tell him either. I no, think. he goes he goes around to Kevin's and goes, "What's this rubbish? I've got oh I've yeah. got a bill to say that I owe more money in rent. You can't put my rent up." And Kevin goes, "Nothing to do with me, mate. I sold my business ages ago to some so company sold, sold the called building. I don't know what their name is. Yeah, and that's probably them. And Gary says, "You can't do that." And he's like, "Well, I already did." You'd have thought that Kevin might have thought to n- to mention that, or that Ray might have gone next door and said, "Oh, I'm your new landlord you and neighbour." I mean, our house, our the land our house was built on was sold to somebody else. We got a letter through going, "By the way, we're taking over." And we were like, "Oh no!" And they're like, "Well, you can't put our things up, so there's nothing you can do, but you have to write the check to somebody different." Mm. All this time, Gary's been writing to check to somebody. Who did he think he was writing it to? <laughs> doesn't matter. It doesn't matter. So anyway, he's annoyed that this has gone up and Kevin's like, it's not, nothing to do with me. And then Gary's like, well, this is what I think of, of this rent hike. And then rips it up and throws it. And, Gary, and Kevin's like, huh, I don't care. Tyrone sweep that out. <laughs> That's what Gary should have done to those credit card bills. Instead of putting them next to the toaster. I don't remember buying a candlelit supper. <laughs> Gary goes over to the Platts house to go and check out David's sinkhole mm-hmm. and while he's there he gets talking to her about this property company who offered to buy number 8 he's like didn't somebody offer to buy your house recently and also they're leafleting the street because Tim's been talking about it and 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 and, and David starts says, telling him everything about it. Doesn't David get, say he was thinking about selling? Something like that. Get, Gary's putting think... two and two together. He's hearing. Oh yeah, it was, it was Gary that tells him about everyone that's been le- the, the company that's been leafleting the street. Gary's starting to realise that somebody, most likely Ray, is trying to buy up all the properties on the street, which is what we've been saying for for months now. Yeah, he finally out from Kevin. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That's right. So he goes back to Kevin and says, "Let's." Tell, tell me more about you selling um, the, 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 the garage arch furniture shop thing. Was it Ray? And Kevin doesn't... I think Kevin says it is, but he won't go so far to admit that he doesn't trust Ray because he doesn't want to you know, incur any wrath from him. He doesn't want to get in trouble. So Gary goes to visit Ray and says, right, you know you offered me £150,000 for, for, uh, for the factory. You double it and the deal's on. So Ray immediately does. Wouldn't it be nice to be that rich? And, I know. And Gary's and Gary's like, right, this is true. I've 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 come up with a my hypothesis, and you've just proved it. You want us all to sell up, don't you? But why? And Ray's like, no, none, these other people. It's nothing to do with me. It's this person called Roxy. Um, Who's she? I think I think that David might have mentioned Roxy actually, yeah. but he he's still claiming to have nothing Ignorance. to do with her particularly. Um, he's I like, I'm, I'm all legit. And Gary says, okay, well, think about your offer. Um, but then he goes to the Rovers and hears Sarah talking with Carla, who has, who, they're having a party, aren't they? And everything's going great at the factory well, they're party. Talking, they're having a party to celebrate and like, the Ooh. fact that Nina helped them design these new knickers, yeah. which are contemporary and vintage at the same time, for, what's his name, Stud McMuffins. And so they all go off into the back room to celebrate and they're like going, finally, for once in our lives, the factory girls can relax 
and kick off our heels because we've made it, baby. That's right. People actually want to buy these knickers and pants that we're making. And Gary's like, oh, but if I sell, if I sell it up and it gets demolished, think of all the people's what will jobs. What they do? All, yeah. Um, so he's he's feeling guilty and goes back to Ray and says, nope, the deal's off. Listen, and this... I'm going to find out what dodgy business you're up to. Can I just point out this? feeds into Gary's hero complex. Yeah, oh, yeah, definitely. Just like Daniel and just like Abby. Only Abby is the only one who does it through f- for She's wholesome She's the only true hero, hero. Gary loves saving people and he likes to feel smug and he also constantly feels like there's a, some kind of karmic debt that he's in because he murdered somebody and he's also a bit of a villain. He's always trying to make up for his villainous ways and yeah. his, his loan sharkery. So he's like, yes... I can be the big man here. I can save Sarah and the rest of the factory girls. They won't even have to know it's me. I'll just be some kind of a magical fairy godmother, sprinkling my ginger fairy dust everywhere all over the street and making sure that everybody has knickers to sell. Yeah, and I thought that ended up turning into quite a nice twist towards the end of the week because at this point I was thinking, oh, are they going to make Gary be the hero of the 60th anniversary? Is Gary going to be the one that stops Ray? And when he stops him building his giant block of flats... Is, uh, uh, I mean, are we going to then forgive him and say, oh, it doesn't matter that you dropped the roof on Rana's head. It doesn't matter that you killed a lone shark. You're the hero. Because I was... also thought, well, he's thwarted him. Yeah, but What can he do now? So so that's why I thought it was a nice twist on Friday. Um, But yeah, I, 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 I have still been convinced since the moment that he had that fight with Rick... Gary's days are numbered. Yeah, they should be. They they should be. Soap Justice says that they should be. But with this this week, up until Wednesday, I thought, oh, maybe he's going to redeem himself this way. But now... It depends on whether Corey rewrites history and says that he actually should have killed Rick when he did and he was justified. Because don't forget, we've forgiven Tracy and she she did some time for killing Charlie but she certainly didn't do all the time she was supposed to no I know but he's still he, he has the, not had my his my point punishment. is it wouldn't be the first time I know I know but he has been punished in other ways that, you know yeah. it's, it really comes down to whether the writers can try to convince us that Gary has suffered enough I, I'm not I hope convinced not yet. I want him to get his comeuppance yeah but you know he is uh, he is a, Mikey Wolf is, is a pretty charismatic guy Oh, yeah, yeah. And he makes Gary quite likeable, and you end up rooting for him at times, even though I really love him as a villain because of how good Mikey North is. See, I'm I never not, I've still never really been like as Gary. I thought he was. I thought he was a bit of a, a kind Bland. of nothing. Even though I really, I, you know, Mikey North is great, they always made Gary a bit of a nothing character. But with his villainy, I suddenly went, oh, I like this. This is mm. interesting. Mm. Anyway, sorry. Well, anyway, he is back on that side by the end of Friday, isn't he? Because he says at the beginning of the episode, right, Maria, I'm definitely not selling to Ray. <laughs> I'm because definitely Because he's planning not... something. He's got a big plot and I don't want to help him do that. So No, he's, he's planning a massive development. Yeah, well, he he thinks he is. He thinks that he's gonna he's he's gonna build he's something. He's gonna do something there. all on one so side I, of the So I don't want I don't want to help him. He's to gonna do build that. a bloody mission hall. Yeah. Oh, oh no. That'd be quite a nice celebration for the 60th anniversary, wouldn't it? If Can Ray re- if re- resurrects if the Ray- Glad Tidings mission hall, yeah, and he's just you- like, I just want to tie, just want a bit of nostalgia. You just imagine him nefariously, sneakily, underhandedly going around like taking property from people and taking advantage of them and then at the end of it it was all just to build the glad tidings mission hall yeah and then he just bequeaths it to some long lost um relative, relative arena sharples. sharples yeah exactly or leonard swindle saying that'd be lovely but i don't think that's be what's weird. happening 
Anyway, Ray smarms over to Gary later and he says, right, you need to give me my rent. I've decided to ask for rent earlier in the month now and there's nothing you can do with it. And Gary's like, no, I'm not playing that game. Um, if only there was a bit of paper he could rip in front of him to show how serious he was about not paying rent. Yeah. Um, so anyway, so so mate, Ray kind of goes off again. But basically then Gary goes through all of the stuff with Todd and and Sarah Louise Being and snubbed Gary. in the pub it, by yeah. the very people he had a proper that he pub has snub. pledged to save their livelihoods. Now he's but thinking, they're not interested. So well, he says, screw them. End of the episode. He goes over to see Ray again. And I'll say, right, if you offer me three times the amount of money there's the original offer on the factory. You, good maths. I will, I will shut your hand right now and you're in. And, but, and, uh, but, but I want to know what your plan is. And this is when he says he's going to build a skyscraper. I'm going to build a factory that mashes puppies into Big Macs. <laughs> Gary's like, Disclaimer. sounds good. Disclaimer, that's not what Big Macs are made of. Gary says, sounds but good. But who's to say they couldn't be? I'm going to be even the one driving the bulldozer because I've had it with the people on this street. If only I could demolish the Rovers as well. So he's, he's going to drive all over Rita. He's going to drive over Kathy and Brian, the Platts. He's going to have to steer around the sinkhole so he doesn't drive his bulldozer into that. Yeah, that and I still, I, I do wonder, honestly, I do wonder whether this is what could, could happen because... I just want to say... I'm point... thinking of, of... I know they're not doing a big Hollywood stunt for the 60th anniversary, they've said, because they can't. But I wonder whether that was ever going to be a thing. They, they, they've had to have had that sinkhole in the Platts back garden for some reason. Um, and... Yeah. I, 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 well, and you and, think, and I think, think... it's going to end up with Gary going, oh, It might do. It seems like a bit of a coincidence that Gary is now the person that's been employed to fix David's yeah, sinkhole. When he said, I want to be the person driving the bulldozer, he wasn't being metaphorical. He's being very literal. I want to be the man. I'm a builder. I does building. I can do the building. What do you want to build? I can do it square, oblong. I can't do round. So you only build really 2D difficult. buildings then? Shut up. Cuboids. <laughs> That's the one. Um, and no, also, I do... I'll throw in a roof because I've learned about roofs. <laughs> Very important. And they're not going to be one of those church roofs either. This is going to be a proper deal. I'm not going to do one of these slipsy whipsy daisy roofs that lands on so, people. No, I, I, do, I wonder, though. is Gary going to drive a bulldozer into David's sinkhole or was he going to drive a bulldozer into his sinkhole? Because and, again, I still... and again, this is not metaphorical. No, it's not. Jeff, I don't think, is going to survive the year. As in, I think, it, I think and I hope he's still going to be alive, but I think he'll be out of the show. And it would not surprise me in the least if Gary also is gone by the end of the year oh, as I well. Because he's got to pay for what he's I done. I, and I think that having some kind of building digger bulldozer related accident. Bulldozer. Have you had an accident at work? That wasn't your fault. Related you to a bulldozer. Just, it might just be soap karma. <laughs> um, yeah, so that, that wouldn't surprise me. I've, but I, I, or I reckon that could could Gary go in there and be? He's now pretending to be fixing David's hole, but actually he's making it worse. And and uh, is he gonna like oh, you yeah, know undermine it? Yeah. Li- yeah, literally, and um, and have the house fall on his head or something. Like, I I don't know. I, I think he might be the architect of his own demise, Gary. I think hopefully this is this is the if this is the proper turning point for him where he goes 
full-on villainous because he's been kind of oh, chugging around yeah, 70%, 60%, 70%. I want him to go full throttle Seriously, through to the 60th. So, don't okay. give a damn about the neighbours at all now. I'm not even going to pretend I right, do. Right. Can I just point out that your idea of villainy is not murdering somebody or extorting old women for, for money they can't afford, but to destroy the community spirit of Weatherfield by demolishing some people's houses and a factory. You got oh. your perspective screwed up. I understand what you're saying. Yes, in terms of Coronation Street, it is the ultimate sin, of course, to demolish half of the street. But to put things into perspective, he's done a lot worse than that over the years and not been punished yet. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. But the the whole thing around the 60th, it seems like no, it's going to be leading you. towards... Right, everybody's going to band together to stop Ray. I know. And I, very, it's very reminiscent of the 40th anniversary when they had the Save the Cobbles campaign... I think this has got a bit more oomph to it, a little bit more, there's more at stake here. But at the moment, I do feel a bit like all the characters are sleepwalking into it and actually with the way they're acting now, I feel like they don't give a toss. David is considering selling up and moving somewhere else. He clearly doesn't care about his family and friends and being on the street and being in Coronation Street. I want people to not realise at the last minute how much Coronation Street means to them, like it's some kind of special episode of a teen high school where they have to save the school from being taken over by aliens. I don't know, do you know what I mean? <laughs> yeah. I, I want them to not realise at the last minute and then do, desperately try to save it. I want them to build their community spirit up and start now to really value the friendships and the and the community that they have so that when mm. they realise what Ray is doing, they actually care. Because at the moment, it doesn't seem like anybody really would. You've got David, he's going to sell up because he's got a sinkhole and he d- genuinely does not seem bothered about living. I'm, I was really surprised that he didn't think twice about what it would yeah, mean to move it's off been of his family home. You've got, like, all his you've life. got Kathy and Brian who are in charge of... of um, Cabin. The cabin. It's not Rita's anymore. They're relative newcomers, and would they really be that invested in where the shop was, or whether you know they? It wasn't. It's not like they always wanted to be shop owners. They just fell into it. Mm. You've got um, Yasmin's in prison. You've got Jeff living in her house. He would love the chance to sell that house and see it raised to the ground to to destroy Yasmin's soul because that house. That's that's got a lot of her in it. That's really, if you look at the set design, it's a very feminine, very elegant and graceful set design compared to the rest. It really does represent Yasmin. It's a physical manifestation mm. of her on the street. To see that demolished, that would be really hurtful to her. But Jeff would love it. As long as you've he's got, got somewhere else to go. You've got um, streetcars. Steve can't get rid of it fast enough. You've got the salon that Maria wants to sell so she can move to trim up north. Well, now Gary's going to definitely say to Ray, can you buy this salon off yeah. Maria, please? Yeah, she wants to buy that, so, so she's so going to have her wish who's made. who's standing in the way of Ray and actually, the way you're looking at it now, who's going to object to what he's doing? Yes, maybe the shop owners, perhaps if he were to say, I'm going to demolish it and build a great big uh, block of flats and on the bottom of it, I'm going to have a, I'm going to have a pub, I'm going to have a corner shop. And that's actually all the, the people that are left, to be honest, because there are if he demolishes that side of, of the street, he's only he's getting rid of a lot of businesses that would actually care about 
they're being competitors. There, there's all the um, factory workers that would be made unemployed. And Gary yeah. did have a pang of conscience for them. But honestly, the week, they lurch from bankruptcy to bankruptcy every other month. Mm. It, honestly, it feels to me like if the factory were to close, they would all go, oh, thank God for that. Give me my redundancy and I can go and do something else. They can just go back to the community centre anyway. I think they were doing fine there, to be honest, beforehand. They can just relocate. And this there, is there haven't been saying. any other community events going on there. This since. is what I've said all along about the difference between selling a business and selling a property. If you, have a, if you own your business and the rights to the business and you have a client base... You can move that business to a different premises as long as the rent is comparable and you get a, get a similar location. It's not gonna. It's, it's gonna be a pain in the bum, but he's not taking your livelihood away from you. Mm, that mm. factory could go anywhere. Yeah. How are you? How um, about China? How are you finding Ray as a villain at the moment? I love him. Are you, are you I was going to point you out to him. I didn't really realise until I read a post on our Facebook group by Rob who said they should definitely keep Ray around as long as possible. And I really agree, and I didn't really realise how much I am enjoying Ray as a villain. I actually think I like him more than Gary. And I even perhaps think that there might be more um, of a lifespan in him than there is for Gary. Because he hasn't killed anybody yet. He'll be gone by the end of the And he's definitely out for himself. The other question I was going to ask you is, do you think they would ever go through with what Ray is suggesting? Because actually... People might be watching Coronation Street now and think, gosh, no, that's iconic. You can't get rid of the Coronation Street. That's been there since the beginning. But no, the only bits that have been there since the beginning are the other side of the street with the rovers. And even that's not completely set in stone because one of them fell, one of the houses fell down. So all of the terraced houses with the shop and the pub, that's iconic. You can't mess with that. The other side, though, is pretty much in flux. There have been lots of changes that you might not realise. It's been very stable over the last... That's the thing. For for 30 years it's been stable. Exactly. And I I think that Coronation Street now thinks that that's iconic as well. I I think that they're quite... I know, but what I'm saying is... Hesitant to change. Yeah, but what, what an interesting thing it would be. I think it would be great, maybe, if this was happening Pin around the time as the as the Media City move, yeah, they would have done it. But they've spent a lot of money building <laughs> yeah. that side of the street just a few years ago, and I hey, don't listen, think that they actually will. But they I'd ain't be... got that meerkat money coming anymore from the end mm. of the year. Oh, yeah, I wonder if they've got a new sponsor yet. So, yeah, I, I, um, I don't think that they will. But, but wouldn't I it would... be fabulous if they could? I know they're not going to, there's no way. They wouldn't be able to in time. No, no, definitely You'd hear about it, unfortunately. Yeah. If they were demolishing things. Uh, It would... I'd I'd, I'd love there to be some kind of permanent mark made on the street. For the 60th. For the 60th. Yeah, because the the Save the Cobbles for the 40th was a little bit low-key. Yes. (laughs) Um, But then after the 50th, and and just how huge and wide-reaching that all was, and I know that they haven't tried to... They, you, they couldn't possibly try and match that this year, but I don't want it to be so low-key that it just feels like a damp squib. You don't want it to be like, oh, you you foiled my plan to gentrify the neighbourhood and bring you a block of flats with a pret, a, um, <laughs> a, a pizza express and a subway. <laughs> all, all the high-class restaurants. At the bottom... And a and a really nice gym on the on the basement level with parking, 
and now I must leave. If they had somewhere where parking, they could finally say that that's where all the Coronation Street residents park their cars. And they need to think them. about what they're missing on the street, and it's not like they've got everything they need all in one place. Mm. They don't need two hairdressers, and they don't need two corner shops right opposite each other, but they do need a Pret and a Pizza <laughs> Express. <laughs> No, they don't. I'm I'm not loving Ray as much what as you are. What about Lush? I'm not loving Ray as much Where as you are. Where do they get their soaps from? I now Sinead's dead. He's been too far away from it. He he went months and months and months, and we didn't really see anything. He's just kind of I sitting think, behind his desk at the bistro, and we don't know very much about what but the I other characters say, think of Ray because not often people yeah, are going yeah. in the bistro at the moment. I don't think That's he's. They don't like I don't think he's doing lots with the other members of the street. I don't see him as being a a massive antagonist at the same oh. level as some of the others, but. That there is something about him. There's really him. a potential. There's something about he's him. He's got that a I... really. He's. I tell you what. Since we. Since he came back from lockdown, there's a. I think there's a renewed confidence and swagger that yeah. actors. That actors. Come there is. Back there's with there's more extra. to him now than there was a year ago. I don't know whether it's because ago. he knows now he's entering the final stages of his character story. Mm. But there's something about him. He's got a spark. He's come back. He's come back fighting. Right. I'm enjoying it. Gemma, it's time to get the rubber Johnny out, and it's over to you. To let rip. Oh, Michael, you're disgusting and you're fired. <laughs> Definitely your turn. <laughs> you're fired from this job that doesn't pay. <laughs> Monday, Scott tells Jenny that Ray has found him a job building houses in Cheshire. Can I just can I just quickly summarise this story this week? Yeah, of course you can. Basically, Ray, not Ray, sorry, Scott keeps coming into the Rovers to see Johnny. Johnny's like, oh, I don't want to talk to you. Scott says, do you want to do a bank... Uh, do you want to rob Ray for me? And Scott's like, no, mate, I'm over that now. Oh, but, and then Scott says, well, you do it. And if you don't do it, I'll tell Jenny on you. And Scott's, and Johnny's like, no, no, I can't. I can't do and it. I've got a mess. and repeat. And then I... And, and Jenny then... goes, oh, hi, Scott. I hope you're staying around here. You're great, Scott. I'm completely Scott, oblivious so to everything that's going on and had the fact that Johnny is really not keen on you. No, don't I forget... I think you're lovely. Don't forget that Johnny goes to Ray and says, don't trust Scott, don't ask me why... You can't trust him. Don't let him build houses for you. He's gonna do. He's gonna do you over, because that's what he said he was gonna do. So then Ray says to Scott, uh, "Johnny, Johnny's told me that you're, that you're um, a villain and you're a wronging and you're and you're gonna have a go at me. So I'm, I'm not gonna let you sell these house, build these houses for me." So Scott goes back to Johnny and says, "What did you just say about me? You owe me a favor now. You've ruined my amazing plan to rob." Rob Bray. And then on Wednesday, I don't know if this is going to end up being significant, but Jenny and Scott talk about how they don't have any family. No, Scott does. He's got nine Oh, yeah, sisters. he's got loads of family. And she, she got says, none. just for the record, in case anybody was wondering about what my family situation is, don't forget that my mother is gone. She died. Yeah, she got hit by a car. She got hit by a car. It was tragic. Then my dad got hit by a tram. That was tragic. And funnily enough, I don't have a phobia for public transport. And my son I've drowned got, in a swimming pool. My son pool. drowned in a swimming Paddling pool. Paddling I got divorced from my husband. Don't talk about him anymore. And I got no brothers and sisters. And that's why I'm so goddamn cool. Okay. Yeah. Everybody. Johnny, um, did Scott, Scott and Johnny still keep going on to each other about I don't want to do it. I do want to do it. I don't want to do your robins. You have to do it. Um, Scott says to Johnny, blackmail, blackmail. You, all you have to do is drive a car, it's not very difficult. And there's going to be a soiree with, with Ray and some investors. A, a soiree? 
He's got the guys. Sorry, that's a good he's one. He's got he's got the guys from Zizi. Really he's got the guys from Bella Pasta, and he's got the guys from Carluccio's, and they're all competing for one spot. <laughs> And that we can rob them, <laughs> make them really get a good Weatherfield welcome. Um, and John, Johnny's like, no, I don't want to do it. And then he gets woozy when he comes down the stairs because he's got his MS. Oh, yeah, I thought that was going to turn into that. I thought he might fall down the stairs and have an upsy day. We're just establishing that something might happen. Oh, he's going to be driving his robbery he's car, be involved isn't in he? The robbery and go, he's going to do a David Platt, isn't he? Yep. Hitting date Graham. Yeah, there you go. I can't bring Graham back no, just for that. No, you know, you know. He's going to hit Jenny with a car. Oh, no. Probably. And that'll pay her back for running over Liz a couple of Christmases ago. And she'll probably be drunk and not even notice. Yeah. Bounce so, right anyway, on Friday, um, more of the same. You're, you're correct. <laughs> really? This was all more of the same. It was, it, that was No, you forgot the development, thrilling development yes, of the fake real L conference that Johnny says he has to go to and Jenny does not question because you cannot compare real life COVID situations to what's going on in uh, Weatherfield. Um, Scott comes up, says, he basically finds out that he lied and he says, I've got to go to Shrewsbury and Jenny's like, oh no, but it's so much fun to have you around. Um, Then Johnny comes back, Scott says, you lied. (laughs) Uh, and also, you owe me not only for what the other thing you owed me for was, can't remember, but I also took care of the scumbags who were blackmailing Carla. It was me all along. And you've got to help me with my robberies or I will tell Carla. Jenny. Jenny. Jenny I'll tell I Jenny. told you, it was all the same. It was just it was Scott like, threatening to blackmail Johnny unless is, he helps him rob Can I just ask Ray. you a question? Is Johnny really the best shout that that um, Scott's got to help him rob somebody. And if you had any your pick, if you had to pick of anybody, and you could say, "I split you the money. This is a good score. It's going to be worth your while," and you could get anybody, would you really track down a reluctant, decrepit old man? Oh, that's harsh. <laughs> I couldn't think of another word. Old man. I couldn't think of another word. I, I mean, he has. He's, he's got past his, his prime. He is impaired. He can't... He's, he's woozing down the stairs. He can't be doing getaway cars. Mm. You know I don't mean decrepit. It's because he thinks that he's got a hold over Johnny and he's like, I'm going to tell everyone your secrets but about listen, how we used to rob places together. But listen, if you have to blackmail somebody to help you do something, they're not going to be your best assistants, are they? He doesn't want a best friend. He just wants... No, he wants somebody who's going to cooperate with him and help him and actually rob. Not somebody who's going to spend the whole time there putting money in the bag going, oh, I don't agree with this, philosophically speaking. This is very wrong. Oh, I don't like money. Oh, but look, it's quite nice, actually. £50 notes all in a stack. Yeah. I'm going to donate this to a charity or an orphanage. I, I'm still not feeling this story, I have to say, and, and this is the running thing for this It doesn't make sense episode, that Scott podcast. would spend so much time grooming Johnny to help him do a score that's so simple you could get any scallywag to do it. Mick would jump at the chance. He wants something to do that isn't mooning around after Todd. Todd would do it. Well, this is why I think quite possibly Scott might be setting Johnny up. And I think that it could happen that Scott gets Johnny in the oh, getaway car and then goes and reports him and saying, look, Johnny Connor there in the car, he's trying to rob Ray. Or, or maybe he says, or he's like, sorry, Johnny, you can't stay in the car. Come into the bistro with me. Help me do the robbing. He sneaks out the back, sets Craig, the only policeman in Weatherfield at the moment, 
in to go and arrest him. And he's like, right, and that is the payback for me going to prison for all that time. Good. I think that might cool. be quite a good twist. And that might be why he's so, so desperate for, for Johnny to do it. Okay, that makes sense. Yeah. I'm, li- I'm, I'm really hoping that whatever happens, though, that they both dress up as Bistro Ninjas you in, order to. To, in order to carry out this raid. There's no way you raid. can Raid. No He's way. got a ray, raid. That's another one. There's no way you can rob the so beast without dressing up like a ninja. <laughs> um, what do you think of the character assassination they seem to be doing on Johnny at the moment? In that now they're Luke, saying he Luke. used to be a desperate criminal. Because he's always come across as a really decent, stand-up, honest and hard-working well, chap. Well, he was a grafter. Who, who, made his, who made his fortune, you know, in the rags textile to riches. Industry. And the te- yeah, and now they're saying that he, he was an old scally in the past. I don't like it. Because I like Johnny. It is very much in the I kind don't... of tradition to just turn up with bags of money you haven't earned and invest it in the factory, which is basically what he and Aidan and Kate and Carla, to a certain extent, just grab money off people... Do you think... Shaggle still your way into getting bundles of cash and invest it in the textile industry. Do you think that Johnny was always, like, the reluctant partner in this criminal enterprise? It it just feels a bit like all the rest of them that get dragged into criminal activity despite their best intentions. Like, oh, I didn't mean to kill a loan shark. I was trying to help an old lady get get Christmas presents. And I got dragged into it. Didn't mean to run Susan Barlow off the road. I was just into drugs because they're really nice. (laughs) Oh, I I didn't mean to push my dad down the stairs. He just had my child aborted and I was reluctant, but I had to do it. You know what I mean? They're all just so just so weedy and oh, it was just the the river of life carried me along and I was helpless in the current. I th- I hope that Johnny can come out of this. I don't want to. I don't want this to be a you know a destroying I of want another somebody to really go, nicely loved character. Yeah, I did it. Just for I the did drama. Do it. I did it because I wanted to do it, and now I regret it. But you know what? I guess if I did, if I was back in that situation, I'd probably do it again. Do you think that? Do you think Nobody's, that Johnny will ever? Do you think that Johnny will be forced to now pay for these crimes? Do you think he's going to end up with a jail spell or or anything? Or is it going to be? It feels like the secret's got to come out. There's this massive secret that Jenny doesn't know about, know, despite the truth before. being, you know, blatantly talked about. Right, you know, just right on her back. The secret that they used to be criminals. criminals. I know, but again, there's, there's this thing. Oh, what happened to the security guard? I mean, what could it possibly be? They left him for dead, probably, and he didn't die. Oh, well, we worked that out ages ago. Unless they dressed him up as a clown and dropped him in the middle of the circus and now he's got PTSD and he can't go to the circus anymore because he's so embarrassed. I mean... Do you remember that time when somebody had that clown balloon and they put it in front of Johnny in the Rovers? I can't remember who it was. And then they pushed... And then they said, ah, oh, and Johnny was like, bloody hell, it's a clown balloon. Do you remember? I think you've come <laughs> up with something, yeah? we just uncovered the secret. I think we have. Was he there, the Corey security will say, guard? Corey will say the clues are there all along. I can't Did remember you... what that was about. I think it was Gary and Maria going to the circus with Liam. Do you remember that time when, um, when Daniel was trying to be all edgy reading It in, in the Rovers and Johnny just slapped the book out of his hand? <laughs> anyway, um... I, I'm wondering, what what do you think would happen if Jenny found this out? It's tricky with Jenny because previously she was very much 
the junior partner of their relationship and relied on him for everything and her position came from him and everybody made sure that she knew this including his kids who were um oh yeah she was the gold digger she was the you know she was the one who who slept her way to the top she was the one who didn't deserve to be the landlady she had to earn her place and prove herself i really think she has and I don't know whether, I think maybe a few years ago, if she had found out, it would have been, again, a bit of a, oh, I don't know what to do because I can't exactly, I haven't got the power to, to eject you from my life because uh, I'll end up where I was before and I don't want that. Mm. Um, but now I feel like she could say, you know what, Johnny, I don't need you. Half of a pub is still half of a pub and I can raise the funds I think I can do this myself. I don't need your help. Also, we, so, we only have a maximum of three customers in the pub at once at the moment, I so I think I'm that. okay on myself. Yeah. yeah. Um, I think she's in a, in a powerful, more powerful position. And if Johnny, if Johnny turns out to have been a seedy little criminal, she, again, an, another booster in, in power, she might not take pity on him because he's been lying all along. It would be sad, though, because I felt they, like they were an another quite nice couple. I know, but it's not like an affair where it it developed and it didn't begin, you know. it it The relationship began and then developed at some point down the road and, you know, oh, you can forgive each other, whatever. This was a lie that went throughout their entire relationship. Mm. Although, at what point do you say... I mean, which date do you say I was, I was involved in an armed robbery and we... We threw a security that's, that's guard the sort of thing that into the middle come of up, a three-ring circus. Right. <laughs> um, I, I was also wondering, like, when, when Johnny, when Scott threatens to tell Jenny, would he really do that? Would he? He couldn't do it without implicating himself, or does he not care about that because I don't think he, he has? Cares. Paid he's for still it. a desperate criminal. Yes, he's gone to prison. There's nothing that can happen now. He didn't grasp Johnny up. Mm. I'm wondering. I'm really, really hoping as well. Whether that, hoping not that. Um, Scott tries to seduce Jenny because she's certainly very enamoured by him. I don't think she is. I think she's just flirty. I can be quite flirty with people. It doesn't mean I fancy them. That's just how I am. I'm like it with men and women. I just... I just. She, um... she, I think she did say this week that she doesn't fancy him, but you never know, do you, on Cory, whether people are suddenly going to drop their drawers for a turn of a hat. Turn of a hat? What's that? No, that's not the right phrase. I'm not very good at it's just something Idioms. about the way that he rotates his baseball cap. <laughs> Puts it on backwards, he's so cool. Oh, so what's jaunty. The, what's the phrase that I'm Turn thinking of? Turn no. his head? I'll have a think about it. Well, you... No, it's me doing this one, isn't it? I'm talking about the Shona story, which again was... Uh, a... Is it? Yeah. I think it's my turn to do this story. Let's just have a little look. What did I go. do? You, you've, you talked about... I did Todd. You did Todd. Then you just did Johnny. So I'm doing the Shona oh. one. I think maybe I took over a bit of the Johnny one. But um, basically, <laughs> the Shona story this week is Shona proves that she's still quite difficult to live with and she uh, makes strange decisions and she doesn't quite know I'm what's normal still yet. Zany. She's still zany and kooky, but David still loves her. It's like but New Girl. But he's finding it difficult. It's, the, it's like New Girl where I'm a kooky Zooey de Chanel. To break it down, though, David gets she's woken Shona. up. She's showing a bechamel. Uh, um, <laughs> David gets an early wake-up call on Monday morning because Shona comes into the lounge, um, turns the lights on and everything, and she's trying to get oh. her into bed all week, isn't she? Yeah, this, this story this week was Shona's still zany, but she's also horny. Basically, yeah, yeah. And um, so David's like, oh, I don't want to take this. Like, oh, sorry. Um, 
We also had the promise of Audrey's belated 80th birthday, but now she's going to have to have a belated, belated 80th birthday because it all goes all goes wrong. Um, and there was a bit where Shona almost takes Max's pills instead of her own. And actually, at the beginning of today's episode, David says something about pills being disappeared. And I wonder whether that's going to turn into anything. He also tries to get a loan. Oh, yeah, he's trying to get a loan to get his sinkhole fixed. Um, he has a good old whinge to Roy about Shona and Roy says take it one step at a time and Shona spends the rest of the day making a cheesy puff cake and then crashes out on the sofa. She is so much like a child. Yes. I find it very off-putting to to have David going... I, I don't... I, I, I know he's putting her off. It's just really icky to me how how infantile she is. I just think one day she's going to click and she's going to be back to normal again. I, I thought... They... I, lots of people are loving the new Shona. I kind of... She has her moments. Sometimes I'm thinking this is a bit weird and then she'll say something hilarious and they go, oh, no, that is quite I good, I do actually. like her, her hilarious lines. Um... <sighs> but to, to think about the whole story as a whole... Again, it's like, I, I don't know whether it makes sense. Mm. I, I, how true I, yeah, my, it is My opinion to... hasn't changed. That's what I've been saying for weeks. Sometimes you can... Like, is this a fantasy soapy um, mental problem or is this a real one mm. because and I can laugh at a fantasy mental problem that they've made up for Coronation Street but I can't really if this is something that people have happened but how many people make cheesy puff cakes because oh. they were shot in the head <laughs> which she wasn't Wednesday the Platts are doing this party prep for Audrey Gail's a bit sad that Nick can't come but she turns out that that's that okay because Nick's at the hospital um, Shona invites some builders from the cafe to the party, although we don't really get to see much what of that. builders from the cafe? Who are they building? That doesn't matter. They were just a load of builders at the cafe, and Shona invites them back to number number eight, and then David gets rid of them. It, it, it's a, there's a lot of stuff that just kind of seemed to fill time, which that totally was. And David has to um, tell Shona why it wasn't appropriate it's to invite random men. yeah. Um, and then Audrey's party is cancelled because there's been a load of builders round, and then they kind of have a bit of a makeup scene, which is also basically what happens on Friday, except instead of inviting builders to a party, she cuts the top knot off of some aristocratic hippie who comes to get his hair cut, trim up I north, because guy. the one in town is um, fully He's like, booked for months. Listen, listen here, buddy. I'm a posh, rich person from down south and I like my hair done a certain way. And I don't know if you peasants really understand, but I'm a model and I need my hair to be luxuriously trimmed, strand by strand. He was all right, but he was no Henry, was he? I That's thought he was great. Fair. He was just a, he was a, clearly a, a bit part for one episode, although he, he has now threatened to sue David because Shona's chopped his hair off because he he was being too up himself. I don't know whether that actually will happen, although it was just a threat, but it's that was today's crazy kooky thing that Shona did. And then they go home, things are tense between Shona and David, and later they're kind of okay. So she says, can you go back to bed with me tonight, maybe? And he rebuffs her, she storms out, so they're pretty much back where they were at the beginning of the week after their couple of crazy kooky things that they've done. Except we got to see Gail being accused of being 80. That was one of the best moments of the week. Yes. Um, because, what was it? There's the builders that had been told by David that they were celebrating... His mother's... His mo- no, his, no, his grandma's, grandma's 80th, 80th birthday. birthday. And then Gail shows up and the builder's like, happy birthday, love. <laughs> I did think that was quite and funny. And to add insult to injury, he didn't even say, oh, you don't look, you don't look 80. No. He's like, yep. 
<laughs> um, Life's been hard for you. Yeah. Um, well, the, the, you, don't, you don't know the half of it. Yeah, but the thing is, in real life, Helen Worth is actually very close to Sue Nichols' age, isn't she? And <sighs> um, what was there was another really funny moment that happened. So I can't remember. Anyway, that that was that story. It was, it was it's feeling like filler, and it's not very often that David centered storylines feel quite so inconsequential as this one does. I don't know where it's going, apart from it's going to. She's going to get better and everything will be okay. I don't think that's going to happen. I, it felt to me... Or he'll grow to accept her. I just can't see her for the rest of her time on the show... Being doing, wacky. Yeah, what's the crazy thing that Shona's going to do this week? Because I'm already growing a bit tired of it. Um, it reminds me of those, like, 60s, 50s, 60s American sitcoms where it used to be like, look at my zany wife. She's a, she's a genie or she's a... You know what I mean? Like she, she's got weird, weird magical powers. She's a witch, but this, but this is like, look at my wife. She was shot in the stomach, and now she's gone crazy, and she likes to cut people's hair off and make cakes out of cheesy puffs. But it's actually sometimes quite hard, and I kind of have angsty looks to the camera about it and things. And sometimes like that. she almost kills herself by taking the wrong medicine. But which will it be? Something tragic or something funny? You'll never know with Shona. Mm. That's Shona. Right. Last, la- no, so it's kind of second to last story because we've only got a little bit about the billing. We've kind of already talked about it. But Arthur and Evelyn. Half a boyfriend. Who I think were pretty much the saviours of the week Do in you? my eyes. Okay. Yes. I mean, I've complained about this week all the way through here, but I actually quite enjoyed this week. I've complained about this week and I didn't. Interesting. Different opinions. Yeah. So on Monday... Yeah, this was... I don't know. that I don't see why you thought this was that much more interesting than anything else that happened. I don't, I'm, I, well, this thing, I'm not saying it was really super interesting. I'm saying it had Evelyn and Arthur, who I really love, and I like to see their relationship, and I like Tyrone and I like Biz, and it was just the, the mix of characters that were involved, and it felt a bit fresh because we haven't had Evelyn for so long, and I, I yeah, know she was right. in it last Friday. But Arthur, we definitely haven't had for a jolly long time, so it was just nice to see things picking up where... I, I assume this might have at one point been a summer holiday that they were going to be having <laughs> yeah. to the Lake District and not going up to the lakes in, you know, late October. Um, I a chilly would trip just on like Lake Windermere. to remind everybody that I called it that Arthur's a serial killer. It's not. You, we still got Do no you proof. not find it a bit suspicious that he's arranged to go to the Lake District with his girlfriend in October and he's fully prepared to sleep in a tent where he can sneak out unseen Go and murder a few tourists and slip him off into the lakes and come back and, and before dawn, fresh as the daisy, ready for a nice day's sightseeing with Evelyn. <laughs> so when he was knocking on Evelyn's caravan to try and get in, was he actually like, trying to get into murder? Or was he trying to get into murder her? He's like, oh, I let think me in, let me in. Here's Arthur. <laughs> Evelyn, I've left my murder kit in the in the suitcase by your bed. Go on, what actually happened this week, Gemma? Let's, Monday, let's do Evelyn this. and Arthur are preparing for a bracing trip to the lakes where they're definitely going to be sleeping separately. She's going to be in the caravan and he's going to be in the tent. Tyrone offers to give them his big inflatable mattress. Wink, wink, he's not convinced at all they're going to be separate. Arthur gets a call from the kennels. Um, something up is, is up with Kendall, his dog. And all the way through this, I kept getting confused about whether they were going to go to Kendall or whether Kendall was the name <laughs> of the dog. I also wonder... Now, we, do, we have met Kendall, haven't we? Yeah. I keep thinking Kendall is code for somebody else. 
Or perhaps somebody else is also called Kendall. Kendall actually exists. Kendall is a dog. Tyrone teases Evelyn because she's still waiting for Arthur. They've got to get going because, you know, time's getting on and those holes don't dig themselves. She says she's got the hots for him. He says she's got the hots for him. She's like, shut up. Um, Arthur comes back three hours late because Kendall's fretting about him going, apparently. They head off, but Arthur's like, oh, looking anxious. On Wednesday, they're back. She's not talking to him. She's stomping around. She's upset. Um, she says the mattress you lent him had a puncture. And because of that, we, he has got a bad back. We had to come back early. You know why? Because his murders weren't going very well. Yeah. I thought at the time she was lying. But because she's, she just shuts Tyrone down and goes into the back but doesn't want to talk about it. But it turns out that maybe Arthur... Was the I one that was lying what, and she yeah. fell for it. Yes, exactly. He, he says, oh, I checked the mattress. He's Tyrone not. says this. Tyrone says, I've checked the mattress. There isn't a hole in it. And Evelyn says, no. Definitely said that the bed was deflated. Why, why would he lie? And then the obvious insinuation is that he wanted to get into the caravan with her. And Tyrone's like, oh, well, you know, oh, isn't it nice that they still, there's still something going on downstairs? Or something like really creepy. Um, Evelyn invites... Arthur for drinks at the bistro and she says look I know that you lied about the mattress and I know that I've been withholding because I'm a very cold and frosty woman but perhaps we should give it another go and maybe you should you know maybe we should (laughs) dot 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 Um, he turns down her nightcap offer at the end of the evening says I've got to go back to Kendall the place the no. dog or the secret murder victim that he's got hiding in his Kendall cellar. Kendall is actually code for Weatherfield General, we find out at the end of the episode. Evelyn says, well, you know, whenever you fancy to dot, dot, dot with me, I'll be dot, If you dot, ever want to check out Plumber's Plumbing. Um, final scene of Arthur on Wednesday is him outside the hospital looking guilty. He's clearly going... Well, he's see... either guilty or he's looking pained. We'll, we'll, we'll talk we can... about it in a second. Yeah. On Friday, Arthur gets they've rearranged the trip to Norfolk he doesn't want to go she does it's difficult to to hide your misdeeds in Norfolk and bury people in secret because it's all flat and you can see for miles what somebody's up to <laughs> Evelyn asks Steph for the time off expecting that she'll just get it with a snip uh, snip of a well, finger well she just wants to go for a long weekend yeah and he's she? like oh yeah well if you why don't you take the whole rest of the year off in fact why don't you not come back he's trying to convince her to be be redundant so that he doesn't have to pay her because he obviously is hurting for money and he can't afford to keep everybody on and every time he tries to get rid of somebody they trot out all these sub stories that works instantly on dev i thought dev's lost his touch back in the day he would have just <laughs> fired a lot of them and hired new people at half the price he's, he's not giving kathy all, all the shifts used, back that she wants well he used to be a lot more um he used to be a bit more cutthroat, cutthroat yeah, yeah. So um, she, he says, oh, yeah, this is constructive dismissal. You, you just want to get Ardy in here, poaching my job. But don't forget, he's also a vodka thief. I'm not having it. And he says, right, fine. In that case, you're not having your time off. <sighs> Bistro later, Tyrone and Fizz say, you should just jack in your job and go anyway. And Arthur's like, oh, no. Eyes darting around. Dev comes in, starts arguing for some reason, and Arthur says, "Well, oh, what are you talking to my girlfriend like that for? I'll take you outside and give you a good hiding. And and Evelyn's like, oh, how exciting. She she really appreciates the fact that Arthur stepped in for her. And she says, Dev, you can stuff your job. I'm going to accept your early offer of redundancy and I shall put into writing my terms. Mm. And Dev's like, what? I Actually, he went, gulp. <laughs> yeah, he did a Todd. 
Podgulp. <laughs> yeah, so I, I hope that this doesn't mean the end of Evelyn in the shop because she's really breathed a bit of life into that. She really needs to be. I assume that she's going to back down a little bit. She has to be in the shop. Yeah. She has to be in the shop or the bistro or the Rovers or somewhere. Yeah, customer service. Yeah, that's the only way to get yourself into a lot of scenes but mm. not have a story. Mm. And that's what Evelyn needs, really, honestly. I don't, I really, I am enjoying this Arthur storyline, but she is the sort of character that doesn't benefit from always having a story. Yeah, yeah. Just like all the other comedy characters. She's far better standing on the sidelines of someone else's story and telling them how stupid they are. Yeah. Um, so, what's going on with Arthur, Gemma? You, you reckon Secret Sick I've Wife? I've got two... Oh, well, I've got. Th- I've, well, it's is obvious. that a secret sick wife, or he's going there for himself because he's sick? Oh, good. I didn't even think of that. And and I think we that one that was what we thought about him. We we always thought that he's on borrowed time because they were having they were painting them as such yeah, a lovely couple earlier in the year, and everything was just going so right for them. And and oh. Evelyn was being um, frosty at the beginning, and she's being slow, and 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 he, she's she, taking her taking time her time to unlock herself. She and have very much time. Yeah, exactly, exactly. She's finally going to yeah let him in, and we've started to see her thaw, thaw out exactly this week, and and I think that um, oh god, the he, thing he is, could I possibly not have much time left. It's not that because honestly, this is going to be the how many X years in a row we've had a character that's got a terminal illness. Or some kind of extremely life-threatening illness. We've got two in one year. Uh, that would be Oliver and Arthur, if that were to be the case. I really am sick of it. They need to stop this. It's not the only dramatic thing that can happen to a person. It is one of the most sad things that can happen to a person. And it is... I'm just sick and tired of it. So you think that this could be a bit of a Paul and Leslie Kershaw sort, sort of story? I just thought, oh, it's going to be someone he knows who's sick. Who could it be? Is his wife? It's too obvious. Son? Brother? I don't know. That's not as heart-wrenching. I can't, I can't think why he would um, hide, hide a brother or son. Um, no. They, 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 if they really wanted it to be that, they'd come up with some stupid reason. Like, sorry I didn't phone you for three years, Mum, but I just felt bad about it. <laughs> yeah, like, yeah. I didn't tell you that my brother was sick because I didn't want you to feel sorry for me. Mm. And then we go, oh, that's the only re- explanation we're getting for why he kept the secret. It kind of would be a bit of a letdown if it isn't something huge and dramatic. You're right, if it, if it just turns out that Evelyn suspects him of something and it turns out that he's, you know, secretly going to the hospital because he's spending time entertaining the sick I think children. To me, oh, it, to me, it makes more sense that it's his wife and it is another, like you said, um, Leslie Kershaw and Paul. Yeah. Where if you haven't if you didn't watch the show at the time that was Eileen's that was old boyfriend, who had a wife who was suffering from early onset dementia and he she couldn't always remember what was going on and he wanted to move on with his life but he felt guilty it was very very dramatic was, and very I loved sad that. It was really hard really well done story. because very, you very, could very totally well understand done. the actress who plays Leslie was brilliant and and Eileen had to, at some at points she was expected to look after Leslie for for Paul and at the very end of it she died it was supposed to be tragic it ended up being slightly funny because <laughs> she, she was cleaning like, the, it, you know you why had to you be know why we thought that was funny um it, that i mean it's been a long enough time that that would be and it uh, be a good twist, and it also isn't another. Oh yeah, I'm sorry, I'm dying. I think that I, that Eileen and Evelyn uh, have got similarities in their personality as well. They're, They're both prickly. kind of hard, aren't they? They really don't like letting people in because they don't want to be vulnerable, yeah. and they don't want to admit that they need people. Mm, mm. I think 
I've said again before, yes, he is the Weatherfield pusher. He is a serial killer. The other thing I came up with is that he is secretly a heart surgeon who has been called back to help people and he's secretly doing surgery and he doesn't want her to know because then she'll want surgery. I think his guilty secret at the hospital is he's secretly a co-host at Weatherfield Radio and he's actually best mates with Jeff and he doesn't want anybody to know. He's like, Jeff, I really like you. I'm definitely your friend, but I don't want to be seen in public. We saw him doing that, that cool dancing in the cafe. Um, was what, that today or, or, or Wednesday? He, he's, he's funky, is, is Arthur. I, I think it could be that. No, I don't there know. There are I, many possibilities... But really, it boils down to he's either visiting a wife who's dying or he's dying himself. I wonder... Uh, what was, uh, why was he trying to get into Evelyn's caravan? I to, to continue the next generation of Arthur's. Before it's too late, before... He's like, we've got to get going. Before whatever disease he's got I can, takes him. I, no, he's going, I can have kids until I die, but you've got a biological clock that's ticking, Evelyn, and I am concerned about those eggs. Hmm. But but he she he turned down her offer of, of the nightcap. Well, was it that way around? Did I mean, she? listen. It would make sense that he is sick, and he tr- he's trying to get into the caravan because he literally is an old man who can't sleep outside, <laughs> and he's like really. Old. I mean, he must be eighty, seventy. I don't know. Eighty. I mean, Audrey looks good for eighty. That's why I'm saying eighty. Yeah, maybe. He's he's between somewhere between. 60 and 100. Yeah. At various ages of looking good or or not good for it. And if he has got some kind of terminal illness that he's going to the doctor and hiding from her, he wouldn't really be able to sleep on an airbed in the cold in October in the Lake District, True. which is not just a cold part of the country, but a particularly cold part of a cold part of a country during a particularly cold part time of the year. Mm. I hope we find out soon what it is. I I kind of wanted the big secret to be revealed on Friday. I don't want this to be another secret is dripped in a like in a it's single like a, scene. By the t- and then, by the time it comes around, yeah. we have already guessed every single possible. Yeah, so please next week let's find out be. what's going on here and then. And has anybody got any other theories? Let us know. Yes. Finally, we had our Billy storyline, which just boils down to John the Bishop. I I assume it was John the Bishop, and the Bishop hasn't changed in the intervening. We years. would surely have heard about it. Surely. Um, he's got an, he phones up Billy because he has an important opportunity for him, which turns out to be there's a vacancy going for the Archdeacon's slot, which, as we said earlier, is an assistant to the bishop, and Billy is the number one choice Why in Weatherfield. Why is assistant to the deacon? I don't know. Um, and he's... Billy's, it was an Archdeacon better than a deacon. Billy's a bit worried that his parishioners Ugh. won't like the fact that he might be moving into the archdeacon's house with his boyfriend, Paul, and they might, you know, be at the door with pitchforks. But Paul says, well, let them come because I, I don't care about I, if I get any abuse. I've been I've been having people abusing me all my life, so bring it on. And also, basically. don't forget, I'm trying to help people on the helpline. Yeah. So th- this this felt weird. This what, felt like we'd gone round back in is a massive Billy, loop. Billy, honestly, the best that Weatherfield is it? Is it even Weatherfield? Is it Greater Manchester? I don't know how how wide a remit an archdeacon yeah, has. Yeah, what geographical reach does an archdeacon have? Is there really nobody better than the guy who we never actually see doing any vickering and but has fallen time. off a cliff 
and then got hit, addicted to drugs. And shot up in a church. Yeah, and 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 probably more besides. I, I, I think it's well, a bit I odd, really. I'm reading stuff a- and about somebody what, and what somebody who had did get into a bit of bother with the church not you know four or five years ago because of him wanting to move his boyfriend Todd into the vicarage. It feels like a very controversial this is what choice. I'm thinking it's like. No, I'm. I'm. I don't even. Uh, not even that was bothering me. The idea that he's getting a promotion at work is like, you're the number one employee in the in, for, as far as Jesus is concerned. Mm. You know what I mean? I, feel, I think. I think it's gen- in general feels to me a bit weird that you can make a hierarchy of how good people are at being religious mm. when the when the whole point of the church is that everybody should have their own personal yeah. connection with God. But the other point that I'm, I, I think is more important is that we've had this story before already. We had the dilemma of Billy, church versus love life, church versus who he is as a person. The, the church doesn't accept him as a gay man, will not let him get married, also will not let him... Um, have a, have uh, his boyfriend live in with him. So he's sort of, again, he's never addressed this directly. He's always only ever tried to win people's hearts over. He's never explained how he feels about whether there is a, a dichotomy. And, and I think he obviously believes that the Bible and God love him as he is and t- don't teach that homosexuality is wrong because you can interpret it in different ways. I don't know why then he does not challenge the church. Well, he... And I also don't know why he does not then say, I'm going to join a different denomination. Well, he did give up vicaring me. for a bit, didn't he? Yeah, exactly. And then he went back and he went, oh, do you know what? I don't even care. Todd's in a bush. I'm not bothered anymore. Mm. Now he's got Paul there. And he said, and there was even that really cringy bit where they had that oh, conversation yeah. about, oh, you know, I'd get married to you if I could. But you know what? Um, the the thing that I care most about in the world, apart from you, thinks you're evil and wrong, so I can't get married to you. Yeah, and it doesn't matter because they're going to ask me to. They're going to overlook. They're going to give me a promotion, and I get a free house, baby, yeah. and it's got a pool. Woohoo! Um, odd, very odd. I don't know where this is going. And the fact apart that apart from it, the fact that Billy was like very easy breezy. Oh, I got a promotion. And um, Paul, are you okay with the fact that they think we're both going to hell? Cool. You might not be able to stay over in the house though. And if you do, you might have to sleep in a little separate room and um, not have any lights on and you have to pee in a bottle and not leave the room in case anybody comes around and knows that I'm actually gay. Do you think that Billy would choose his new position over Paul given the given the Depends choice? on how much peril Paul is in at the time. Yeah, that's true. If Paul's like, help How me, much drama I'm can sad. they bring out of He'd it? like, I can't be an archdeacon. My boyfriend is sad. But if Paul's like, don't worry about me, I'm now a helpline operative. Or it's like, screw you, because Todd's come back and he's sniffing around you and I, I don't need you anymore, so you go off and do your archdeacon and I'm better on my own, actually. Thank you. And also, you're going to add Todd back into this mix. If Todd already went through this, yeah. the ringer of... Oh, uh, your your religion, because the main thing, the main thrust of Billy and Paul's, Billy and um, Todd's relationship was always Todd going, I tolerate your stupidity. I'm saying, I'm, I'm paraphrasing Todd here, not saying what I think. 
I tolerate your stupidity of believing in a God that can't possibly exist and also a God that does that thinks that you are inherently sinful for your sexuality. I think you're mad and crazy, but I love you anyway. And and Billy sort of going, oh, Todd, it's so sad that we are doomed. And it's so romantic. It's like Romeo and Juliet, <laughs> if they were gay. Yeah. You know what I mean? That we already went through that. So if if Billy's come, if Todd's come back to mess up Paul and Billy and to to get back even with with um Billy, so you get Todd and Todd and Billy back again, um, and then and then he's going for the Archdeacon's job, and we we have to have the repeat of what we already had, but with different Todd. I mean, I know he's got a different face, but it's still I can't remember to be the same who person. was the producer when Billy came in. Was it Kate Oates or was it Stuart Blackburn? But. They, they they think they must have struck gold when they came up with the idea of having a gay vicar. It's like, like think of all the stories that so we can come up with that. Well, I can, can think can of tell one about him being persecuted for his sexuality over and over and over and over again. Mm. Anyway, and he'll never quite address what he actually thinks about it. That except was to this say week's that being homophobic is generally wrong. That was this week's Cory. I spent an awful lot of this week going ho hum about it. What I, we didn't have any of the uh, Yasmin and Jeff stuff this week. We didn't have any of the Oliver, Leanne, Steve story this week. And those two are the main ones at the moment that are carrying the show for me. And, um, Who did we have? Steve? Steve. We didn't have Leanne. any of the Ollie story. Yeah. We didn't have the Jeff and Yasmin story. Course, the two good, the two best stories the two, at the uh, moment. They're the A stories. Um, I just, I just did, I, I either couldn't feel invested in almost all of these stories or I thought that they were on repeat or I thought they were a little bit silly and didn't know what tone they were going for. So it was it was a it was a not great week for me. That there were I can't put my finger on anything where I was like, yeah, I really enjoyed that bit. Or the the, the Evelyn and um, Arthur bit was probably the closest there was because it 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 didn't let me down. It didn't excite me, but it didn't bore me or let me down, which a lot of the other stories did, unfortunately. I am not going to have a massive rant anymore. Down. I'm going to say that this week was two MDF coffins <gasps> out of five. Two! No! Yeah. Two! And my character of the week was... Oh. Character of the week was... Well, you think about Evelyn. that. Evelyn. Okay. Well, wow. I was sitting here going, oh, it's definitely not three and a half. It's it's a three, but that seems mean. I didn't mind it. I really liked I really liked old Mister Decaffeinated Lapsang Sushong, and his weird Jesus top. But don't let I tell you what. Don't let Billy see you standing outside the barber shop with your Jesus top on. In was it Mary? <laughs> <laughs> it was a religious icon looking sad and crying about your hair because he will want to rescue you and take you to bed. <laughs> Yeah, that's sorry. I... I thought he was fun. I thought that I'm glad that I got to see manifested our idea of what a Todd funeral would look like, at least. That was satisfying because sometimes they come up with these zany ideas or you think you know where a story's going and it'd be quite fun and they never quite get that. I suppose like sometimes they have characters talking about things that they did off screen yeah. as well. Yeah, that's the thing. Now, it happens more and more, obviously, because of the restrictions with COVID and filming and locations. They've got to be very creative and sometimes they do that by describing to you fun things that you don't get to see, which is not very interesting. But this was all, I thought this was all really good. I thought Mick was weird. It was nice to have a new character. And, and he had a gun, which is always... Like, I mean, there's no three, re- nothing three. redeeming about Mick. No, I, I don't get what they told him 
his character was supposed to be because his character and how he acts and his lines doesn't suit the story that he's supposed to be in. Mm. I don't mind the sort of character... Like, Mick is a character I would like. He's He is a very standard Corey villain where he is swaggery, he's full of himself, he loves himself, he thinks he's hilarious and he's not. And he's menacing but only sort of like perhaps to a 3 out of 10. And that's fine for any sort, you know, a general story, but not a story bringing in a really major character and also saying, oh, yeah, we used to be gay lovers and I'm going to shoot him in the head. But I'm actually really funny and I like China. It was just like a let's bring Todd back with a bang. Literally. Yeah, yeah, it didn't really work. Yeah, three Sean off top nuts, top knots. Because I really like that guy's accent. I thought he was great. Great cheekbones. Very good. I want to see him do a blue steel. Tell you who else he wasn't in it this week. Sam. Yeah. Because there was no Ollie story. I'm living for more Sam scenes, honestly, at the moment. Oh. I want to see him every episode. I think he's great. Um, who is the character of the week for me? I don't know. Well, there you go. See? see. Maybe I've said Evelyn, you. but maybe I'm thinking Eileen because she. I did actually like how she you know, stuck to her idea that the Todd funeral was stupid but then she was also being a bit of a doormat to her son at the moment. No, I'm going to stick with Evelyn I'll stick with Evelyn oh god I don't know who to pick Ray actually no I do know Ray I really enjoyed him wow well, there we go I'm is that our first time Ray's been voted for him. I think I think the actor's really blossoming and really inhabiting the character and is doing really good job of making me like and hate him at the same time yeah well, I'm liking him more that's a and solid I'll, I'll tell you, I'll tell you what another thing is unfortunate but I also kind of I'm relishing the idea of him kicking everybody up the arse and getting them out of their little safe cosy little everything's always going to be like this and we're always going to be happy and and Coronation Street will never ever end I really want him to stir them all up and make them realize that they live in an, in an absolute idyllic paradise where they all actually care about each other and they might very well bicker and argue but they do have a community spirit that does not exist anywhere and it didn't even exist 20 years ago when they did the the save the cobble story for the 40th anniversary are we going to have some kind of twee rita or ken there's going to be something that's going to make me cringe out of my skin and run around the room and get back in it again there might even be some musical montage of people looking at bits of the houses as we pan across the street and go thank god ray didn't turn this into a pre-manger but i'm perfectly willing to accept that as long as they establish before we get to that point that these people care Mm. about coronation street because they really aren't doing that because there's not going to be any drama in us thinking oh what if they actually do flatten the street so there's got to be there's got to be something else that hooks us in listen don't forget that they did generate computer generate a sinkhole in the back garden of david's house by just draping green fabric over it (laughs) so maybe they'll just drape green fabric over the entire half of the street and go look it's not here it's not here through the magic of television they could couldn't they they really could (laughs) just Mm. computer generate it all out and then go tell you what it's a christmas miracle the fairies have been and they've rebuilt everything exactly as it was before <laughs> just like when we moved sets yeah we, we have to repaint like all the, the moss magnifico <laughs> right yes yes maybe jeff can redeem himself at the very end and he can make 
coronation reappear. Listen, he can make Ray think that his plan has worked and he's demolished Coronation Street and I go, ha ha, I've triumphed at last. I'll just assume that my building will go up as planned and I'll leave you to it. And then he reveals it was all a trick and he says, sorry, Yasmin, I was a big asshole. I will go and become a monk and never speak again. And that will be everybody's feel-good Christmas Coronation Street story. Okay, sounds good to me. <laughs> I think we're done about this week's Coronation Street. And I'm really hoping for an improvement next week. Or please, Coronation Street. And I, I, it's just funny. Some weeks I'm like can be so down on, and then next they can be so great. Because last week I really enjoyed. I just I'm still worried about the 60th anniversary week. I so 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 want to like it. No, but I'm thinking it's not going to, to be there? anything. I think it's going to be. The 40th anniversary, like, times 1.2. And I'll go, well, that was kind of feel good and nice. And that will, that will be it. Because that expecting anything else during a pandemic, I think, is unreasonable. 40 when times 1.2 know... is 48. What's your point? It's I'm not right. timesing the number. I'm timesing the effect it had on me. <laughs> Okay. Because 20 years ago, I was like, oh, yeah, you should probably tear those cobbles up. They're very inconvenient, and tarmac would look lovely. <laughs> Get Tommy Deacon on that. Right, let's move on. We're done with Street Talk. It's time for some news. Cabin time. I'm back. I'm positive. I'm happy. I've just had two hours of being a bit of a downer. I'm sorry. I know that people probably listen to that thinking, why on earth is he still watching the show? Curry can be great. It just wasn't one of those weeks this week, but we do have some wonderful news. On top of my list on wonderful news, Gemma, I remember that phrase I was thinking of earlier. It's turn his hand to, not turn his hat to. I've remembered. <laughs> that is the turn phrase. Turn his hand to what? I don't even remember the context. No, I don't. But I said turn his hat to, and it's hand. And <laughs> I think that people probably shouting that at me. I do it. That's what happens. I, I'm turning into Hilda Tip Ogden. Of... I'm watching too much Hilda Ogden. The malapropisms are just coming naturally to me now. Are you thinking of now. like tip of the hat? Maybe. Turn of I the don't screw. Know. <laughs> <laughs> right, we have kicked off the Corrie 60th anniversary celebrations this week. Not we yeah, have, we, we, we haven't cut the ribbon or anything or, or we pressed went, the launch we said, button. you may proceed. We, as part of the Coronation Street loving people of the world, have um, begun, begun to celebrate, celebrate yeah. Corrie 60th anniversary, which is happening in less than, sorry, fewer than 60 days' Can time. Can I just point out to anybody who criticises me for having a birthday month, it's not even, they're not even got to 60 yet. We're having 60 days prior to the anniversary of the show and there's still a whole year, potentially, of them being 60. This Just was, saying. This was brilliant. Talk about divas. It kicked off at midnight on Sunday when the 60th anniversary or the 60 day, you know, countdown began. Um, with a big press, big old press release well, about exciting, about the 60th anniversary stuff. Some of it was story stuff, and it's not particularly spoilerish. I mean, some of it has become less spoilerish as the week's gone on because it talked about cryptic. the the Ray thing, which you kind of could assume was going to be a big part of that. And obviously, there's the Yasmin and Jeff stuff, which you could assume was going to be part of the 60th anniversary because the trial starts the week before. There's one other thing which we won't particularly mention. It was it was very very cryptic, wasn't it? But um. The, the it's main... like they. It's almost like they asked a fortune teller to predict. Yeah, yeah. It's it's a tease for the 60th anniversary, and I, I'm still hoping that it's going to be really, really good. I'm so hoping I'm going to enjoy it. But what I am currently enjoying is what Coronation Street is doing for the 60th. Not only have they got their fantastic book out soon, but they are doing an online social media 
um, campaign called 60 for 60. And this is going to be every single day for the 60 days preceding the 60th anniversary, there'll be a little video on Coronation Street social media from either a celebrity or a group of celebrities or um, fans or people who've worked with charities that are um, related to Coronation Street, yeah. all just saying, Coronation Street is wonderful, happy anniversary, Corrie, why is Corrie important to me? Um, I really love this kind of stuff, and it reminds me of some years when they do it for Advent. Every day in December, they have a little little video or a behind-the-scenes clip or a quiz or something. And that I don't think they've done it for a little while, but I, it has now become, like, the highlight of my morning. I get into school usually just before 7, so I start getting into school this week, making myself a cup of tea, and then finding out who is on the Curry 60 for 60. What, what a brilliant, brilliant campaign. I love this kind of stuff. And they did certainly kick it off with a bang on Sunday, oh, didn't they? Oh, they really did. I can't say that they've topped this one, and I don't know if and when they will. I don't think but they can. The first person to give their video on the uh, on the social media on Sunday was Joanna Lumley. The oh, Lummers, they got Corey her. Corrie Lummers. It is Corrie Lummers, and we we've never even seen Joanna Lumley and Corrie, have we? She was what in eight episodes or something in the seventies, which we've seen none of. She's got um, her agent to scrub it from the face of the earth. But she she was in the Rovers, which is very exciting to me. Um, in character, even wasn't she? Was kind of in character. Oh, she's she, no, she, she's always Joanna Lumley. She, but no, she was saying, "Oh yes, that, they've got me, Elaine Perkins here. Oh, they've invited me so back, and last wonderful. time I didn't even get to go into the Rovers." Oh. But she was still saying, "Happy, happy birthday, Corinne. Oh, I just love Joanna Lumley's oh, voice. Wonderful. Um, I, it was so amazing to see her there, and it did get me thinking, like, oh. Did they get her there for any other reason? Are we actually going to have Joanna Lumley filming a scene? On the, and it's like, I can't get my hopes up here. Is Joanna Lumley going to be there saying, no, Ray, don't, don't flatten the street. Ray, you have me instead. Ray, we don't need any more pizza expresses. They're closing them down. Is Elaine Perkins Ray's secret um, wife? I don't know. I think she might be his secret mum. I don't in any way actually think that Elaine Perkins, aka Joanna Lumley, is going to be in the show. I don't think she would be able to swap effortlessly in without No, a without it all being about her. Although, you know, like in the <laughs> 40th anniversary, her. Prince Charles heavily featured, didn't, didn't he? I don't. And Noddy Holder. So why not Joanna Lumley for the 60th? Um, it, it was really, really... So I'd, that was the first day. The second that, day they had Tan France, who was... Uh, he's from Queer Eye, and he also did... Um, a bit before, didn't he? We know he's oh, a yeah. fan because he did the fashion segment. Who did he do? Did he do he did um, Carrey, Carlson? Or oh, did, oh, did he do Mikey, did he? I can't remember, but I know. I thought he did Carlson. Perhaps he might him. like to listen to a Coronation Street podcast if Maybe. he really. Um, I can recommend at least really one good one. <laughs> um, there was also, they've done some charity They've done some charity well. ones. They've so, had somebody from the Samaritans today. They had somebody from Calm. I think that might have been Tuesday. Um, yes, there was a really, um, there was a really nice fan one on Wednesday, Thursday, which was yes, um, a woman, yeah, a viewer talking about how Faith the, Martin, yeah, she was talking about how the story when Izzy and Gary got together was She's really inspiring. How is she? Really, really inspiring for her. Um, because as as uh, she's disabled as well, it ha- helped her see as a nine-year-old girl she back said then. She's never seen that... another disabled person with a boyfriend yes. before that's, that's on, on TV. To. Are you uh, watching I'm it on the iPad? Are you reading the subtitle versions? Um, and it's saying how important it is for, to have representation on the show. And this is one of the things that we say a lot about. We talk a lot about how it might not mean anything to you if you've always seen yourself on the television mm. and you've never felt 
like you weren't represented but it really does mean a lot if you're feeling like you can't see yourself on television it mm. it, re- it alienates you in a way that you don't really understand if you're used to being you know yeah. the center of the focus um and then yesterday they had some three or four neighbors actors uh, didn't it was neighbor yes, home did. and and which it, it means neighbors. nothing i mean n- none of these people oh, i said really? oh it's them apart really? from lovers obviously lovers? um no no for for this week I'm oh. it, well, for I, the I, first day, I was like, "Well, they're going to have these A-list celebrities every day for the next sixty years." And then it came 60 Tam. Years. So six, yeah, why not? Then it was Tam from Queer Eye. I was like, "Oh, okay." And but I think actually it's been lovely seeing a wide range of people. It's so important that the charities are represented and some of the fans and some of the people who have been touched by Coronation Street over the years. But yeah, neighbours. I don't know who really anyone is, spread. but you watched this yesterday, okay. didn't you? And you're like, oh, it's them because you um, used to watch yes, Neighbours when you were a teenager. Yes, yes. I think this is a really well curated spread of so it, far no, it is. people who engage in Corrie in different ways. And it's fun to have celebrities. And it's also really important to have people who could talk about how the show has touched them. And I really love the fact that they've got neighbours. I wonder if EastEnders is going to appear. I, they probably will. I mean, they've got 60 to, come, to go, haven't they? The, I think they've got to... I think they hopefully will up the celebrity content a little bit. Um, yeah, today was the Salvation Army, and that brings yeah. us up to. But you know, I enjoyed the neighbours one just because I do love an Australian accent. <laughs> I think it's yeah. Hint, really, hint, anyone who's really nice. Who wants to I do like an Australian, Australian accent. Message. Oh yeah, yeah. yeah. Um, so th- this, it's been really, really cool, um, and I'm, I'm just excited every day to find out what happens next. And it won't even stop on the weekends or anything. Um, Who knows? I, when when it first came out on Sunday, I started to think, okay, so who who's next? Who else can there be? And I, my mind started going about all these other, you know, ex Coronation Street cast that could be wheeled out to say things like, are they going to get Thelma Barlow? Are they going to get Sandra Goff? Are they going to get Julie Goodyear? Oh, really are they going like to get that. Julie Hesman? Hell, there, there are so many. I would really like a classic. Ah, oh, I think they've burned a few bridges. Are they going to get the Queen? <laughs> because. Hello. I still watch it, you know. My husband and I have Um, often watched you peasants cavorting on the cobbles and wondered what it would be like to be you. But we need wonder no more for every week. You've only got 30 seconds, Mum. Happy birthday. (laughs) And I think here's a knighthood. Yes, a coronation (laughs) street. Um, Is there anybody particular that you would... I, I have a, to such a or? blank space. I can't imagine. I, I'm trying not to uh, get excited and set myself up for disappointment. I know. I I started off with really really high expectations. Cliff Richard and then, could be could be. He's Cliff. like when I first like when Corey. they first called me fat on Coronation Street, it was like my world ended. <laughs> but I, I I thought they might go away and leave me alone, but they haven't. They, and I don't know which one of us is going to go first. They can't have. Joanna Lumley as being the only, you know, mega, mega mega celebrity. Maybe they're spacing them out. And I hope it's not just like one at the beginning, one at the end. But, um, I mean, they could still have some uh, current Coronation Street cast as well, I suppose. Philip Schofield. They could have Philip Schofield. They might. They'll probably have the Good Morning TV, whatever they're called. Yeah, yeah. Oh, Holly Willoughby. I love it. Oh, it's me, Lorraine. They shot me in the arse. It's just... oh, Oh, yeah, Lorraine Kelly. They'll have, like... That uh, they they surely are going to have like oh, congratulations from everybody here at 
Lorraine, me, Lorraine, and and the, Bob, the other the one that does guy. it when I'm on holiday. Um, yeah, so great, great stuff. If you if you're not on Curry social media, I, I do urge you to check that out. They have it on Facebook as well, but I don't look at yeah, Facebook. yeah, and, and Instagram think, and stuff as well. Yeah, um, and they've they've also also launching on Sunday was a Coronation Street hashtag emoji Yay! thing on Twitter. So I when love it. now when you do hashtag Curry, it comes up with a little mini emoji of the Curry 60th logo, which I love. I'm a cat person. I yes. love that the 60th anniversary logo has got a cat in the middle. I and I really that like greatly. the font and how elegant it looks. But it also has, to me, for some reason, it gives me shades of Sailor Moon. Because it kind of reminds me of Luna the Cat. I think that's unintentional. But I don't think there. it's a, an homage, no. <laughs> so the, the press release says, To celebrate this incredible milestone between now and December the 9th, ITV will be screening special shows, publishing an anniversary book, launching new projects, products, unveiling unique social media content and of course at the centre of it all will be a fantastic week of drama on the couples. So what Good we've job. seen what we've seen and know so far is publishing the anniversary book. We have already talked about this on the podcast. We have it right in front of us here. Um, unique social media content. I don't know whether they're doing any more than this 60 for 60. Um, the um, speak screening special shows, they're possibly counting the ones that we've already had because we had an awful lot of clip show kind of things in the summer yeah. there is also that queens of the street documentary although i've not heard a whole lot about that recently i mean it, they've Perhaps been talking they about discovered it they are not actually related to royalty i'm wondering whether joanna lumley was in is in that at all maybe she narrates it no it's narrated by sally documentary Lindsay, I think. lumley <laughs> i just i just i just think it's odd that they would bring joanna lumley to the coronation well, street studios for a 30 second thing that's all I'm saying. Maybe because there's they more. went, she went. I'll come and do it, darling. Just, just buy me Bolly and send me first class. <laughs> um, Point me at the camera and tell me. The what interesting bit here is the launching new products. We haven't seen a whole lot of Coronation Street merchandise this year, especially when you compare it to what anniversary years have had in the past. And even oh, looking through the 90s Coronation Street magazines, there was so much curry merch back in the day. They did loads of stuff for the 50th because it was a 50th. This year we've had the stamps. We've yeah. had a Coronation chicken sandwich from the co-op. <laughs> You're right. And we still I, haven't I don't that. know what else. I've got a great idea. What? If anyone's listening and there's time, and you haven't done this already, but I'm sure you have, I would like to have a Coronation Street themed Gemma Pez dispenser where the where the sweets are children. And she <laughs> pops them out. Does it come out the and bottom end rather than out the top to end? Eat them and destroy the evidence. I think it'd be like a pop dis- Pez dispenser in a diver- in reverse of it. It's Gemma, you stuff something in the top end and babies come out the bottom. <laughs> yeah, stuff the little sweets in and the, the top end, the babies go out the bottom. No, I just wonder, is there actually going to be anything else? You, I think that maybe we would have heard about it by now, especially it's if it's, we're we coming haven't. into the season for I'm buying early Christmas releases. presents. I'm getting press releases for every single type of different christmas gift you can imagine and i have been i mean if you work in magazines if you especially if you like say food magazines you get stuff in august Mm. for for christmas um and so this is a double whammy for coronation street because they luckily coincide their anniversary with christmas and there's going to be quite a few opportunities for them to flog coronation street themed merchandise if they don't really Um, really does but maybe with the whole pandemic situation some plans have had to be put on ice i i don't know i i it's just feeling 
really, really empty. We talked when we did the, right at the very beginning of the year, of the things we want for the Coronation Street 60th anniversary back in you know, January, February time. We talked about different ideas for merchandise, like, you know, the Funko Pops and, the, and having an app. And I don't remember what else we said now. But it feels like there should be more. But if, if I were to put money on it, I'd say it's not looking likely. Am I allowed to say that as a bet? That if if Co-op has released a Coronation Street sandwich, Coronation Chicken Street sandwich, I don't know what they what they label it as. I think that they should they should, or if Costa wants to do it, fine, release a Peter Barlow themed orange juice drink. Oh yeah, definitely. Why not? And I bet he's hot pot as well. Yeah. Um, very exciting stuff, but I would just say don't get your hopes up too much about the merchandise. How about I think we would know about it by a now. Dave the Security Guards themed two meter long stick? Oh yeah, they could churn those out pretty easily. Social distancing. Yeah. I don't know why they don't have Coronation Street face masks. Like, um, be quiet. I'm watching Corrie or something written <laughs> on them or. Yeah, I know. There's there's lots of lots of things they could do, but slap bloody mm. Rovers return on things, socks, pants, t-shirts. Get get underworld to make it. Next bit of news. This is another great bit, actually. If it's you all are, good. This, this, this is all really good. New, this is positive. This is our Corey good news. Bitch, by the way, there was a tease, wasn't there, a few months ago, that or even a month ago, that they were going to possibly think about bringing Cory Good News back. Maybe they're going to bring it back. It's when they had that social back. media online thing, and I don't know, I haven't heard any whispers of this. Maybe they're going to bring it back, like um, that, what was it called, in the old days, when they used to come to your house and surprise you, and you'd be watching television, and they'd be like, we're going to come to your house and surprise you. And um, maybe they're going to do that with Colson Smith. He's going to travel the country and get coronavirus by jumping into people's houses while they're watching Coronation Street and appearing in their living room and saying, you can win a prize. Here's Coronation Street chicken sandwich. If you can tell me. Yeah, that's right. But Anton Deck slash Noel Edmonds. They'd be right. But, but Colson Smith but Colson can do Smith it. Do. No, I, I really, really Maybe hope Maybe he can wear like a diving suit to protect himself. Anyway, second bit of good news. This is about ex-Coronation Street cast members who both hold a very dear place on our heart. Both people who have appeared on the podcast in, in interviews with podcast. me in the past. Um, Connie Hyde and Julie Hesmanhalsh. Old friends from, you know, school. Grown up Aww. together but haven't shared very much screen time together. Have now teamed up for a new digital theatre project, a.k.a. a short film, called <laughs> The Importance of Being Honest. Now, this is online right now. If you like Connie and the Hez as much as we do, which is an awful, awful lot, then get yourself open over to openskytheatre.co.uk slash microplays, and you can watch and enjoy, hopefully, because we certainly did, a five, six-minute um, short film starring those two lovely ladies. They are so good in it. They are brilliant. I love it them so made much. me so happy. Happy to watch I that before to, bed last night. If they're going to do merchandise, can I suggest they shrink them down very small and make them put them inside Christmas baubles so we can keep them safe forever? Gemma, can you for our for our listeners who might not have had the chance to have seen this? Um, I don't give us a quick recap. Too much of it, but, no, but it is about um, they both play a job interviewer, two radically different um, personalities who interview a candidate. For a job. It's 
it's, it's about fu- it's it's the thing it's it's one of those it's a short that we were giggling and smiling all the way through it but it's something that's got a very serious message mm-hmm. that it gets across um it's uh, can we say what the message is does that spoil well, it? Well, it says it is called a darkly comic take on discrimination in the workplace. Yes. Yeah. They and, said that, so that's what it's about. It's really worth watching, and it's so funny to see Julie has play that kind of a character. They work off w- each other so they, they, well. They yeah, so Julie Hesmanhalsh plays a very different character. A very unhaley character. If you have not character. seen her range or have not seen her in anything else, do yourself a favour, go and watch this. OpenSkyTheatre.co.uk slash microplays. It is called The Importance of Being Honest. It is worth your time. It is only five minutes of your life. And within you that five minutes, you get a real good idea about their characters as well, don't you? You know exactly really what kind good. of people the they are. They're costume. It's what, they're, they're supposed to be unlikable characters. Don't talk about it too much. But, go and watch it and tell oh, us what great. you think. It's really... Oh, I texted them both today. Here's, I forgot to tell you this earlier. I sent Julie and Connie a text. Yeah. <laughs> Both of them, I got messages saying, "Oh, I'm really sorry. Who's this?" Uh, <laughs> I got, I got. You're trying. I actually to... got a new phone. Who this? From Julie Hesman House today. You're trying so often. Um... I was it's because I wanted to message them both together, and I had like in the past communicated them with WhatsApp, and I I didn't want to start up a whole new group to say this. So I just sent them a a text message, and the, and the, and yeah, they didn't know who I was. So I said, "It's me. It's Michael." from the podcast and they were like they went oh great yeah the podcast awesome I said that they did a wonderful job and I really appreciated it I said some lovely things and they said thank you very much and they enjoyed working together and and Connie was like oh I I love teaming up with my old mate again and Julie says ditto and that 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 was was worth your while wasn't it that was my story of not being recognised what a crushing humiliation to experience on a Friday I didn't care I didn't care anyway go and check it out it's Fab. I suppose it's better than it being on a Monday. But you've got to deal with that now. Can your ego cope over the weekend? Yes, it's fine, it's fine. And at least when I said who I was, they were like... Oh, I, maybe. Still, still not remembering you, sorry. I'm no. not going to report you to the police. <laughs> <laughs> um, Ian Bartholomew has also released something this week. This came out of nowhere, didn't it? This he, was this was a He has done a song. He done who a song. Who knew? Who knew? He the, wrote Ian the theme tune and he sung the theme tune. He totally did. Did he write this? I, I don't know. So. I don't know. He has released a song called This Time It's Forever and it is a charity song in to raise money for Women's Aid, which is um, obviously a, a cause very close to his heart with the role that he's playing at the moment. This is one of the things I really like about Coronation Street and I don't think that it's lip service. I genuinely think the actors do such good research and work so closely with some charities that they become very emotionally invested in the stories that they're telling and they deeply, deeply care about the causes that they represent on the screen. And Ian Bartholomew is, is just the latest example of um, an actor who is going further than perhaps they need to for their role. Mm. Well, of course, you don't need to release a song. Um, <laughs> to, to to give back and to raise awareness and and hopefully to raise money too. Um, it's a it's a very... ballad. It's got him playing the piano. It's got him, he's got a good set of pipes in him. Does he in? Doesn't yeah, he? I know he's who, really who good. Who knew? It, I didn't know what to think about. I was watching it, and usually I'm really really good as well at being able to differentiate the, the actors and the characters. And when I was watching, I was thinking, that's, that's Jeff playing on the piano. Don't trust him. But now, obviously, he it is Ian. He's he's he did a great a great old track there. Um, give go and give it a listen. And if you want to buy it as well, then the money goes to charity. Yes, it goes to Women's Aid, a very important charity. Yeah. And it's coming up to the time. Also, just to remind everybody, 
um, every December, starting from last year, <laughs> so this will be the second time. Yeah. We give our Patreon money in December to a charity that we are going. We have yet to decide. Can we? Can we just buy? We might what? M- multiple copies of we this thing. We will buy. <laughs> Get it to Christmas, number one. <laughs> 300 <laughs> copies. We will donate. We might end up splitting it between different charities. But if you want to um, help us to raise some money, you can donate. You can you can jump on. You don't have to. You can you can just uh, join for a month and then cancel. All the money will go to charity. Yeah. Apart from the tax man takes some that we can't stop him from doing <laughs> and um we will let you know who which which we pick yeah and you and was, and um, in return in return money. all of december's patreon money will go to it and in return for your kind donation which will go to charity you will get access to our bonus content so that will be a nice christmas present to yourself and you get to feel smug too for donating <laughs> to charity <laughs> what what, what more a, could you what want? What a load of positive what news What a way we've to had. celebrate Jesus. That, 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 that news, that cabin is just what I needed after that street talk. After being rejected by Connie and Taz. They said I wasn't rejected, they just didn't have my number saved in their phone. <laughs> and why would they? Oh, I don't why? even have your number saved in my phone. Um, yeah, I, <laughs> I started off this, car, this podcast on a high talking about this amazing book. Now I'm on a high here with this. We just had so that little really bit that she was about the program that I'm um, the whole the program. The sticking point is the show. <laughs> the, yeah, the main, the main bit of it. Just sort that out for Michael. That would be great. Let's see if we can keep ending this podcast on a high with a bit of news. No, no feedback. Feedback. <laughs> feedback time. Before we do feedback. We just had a little pause. I showed Gemma my text <laughs> oh, from Connie and Julie. It wasn't too bad. It wasn't too embarrassing, was it, you, you said? <laughs> no. no. It's because you didn't explain who you were and you expected them to remember. <laughs> right. I know, I know you're very memorable. I am. I sound totally memorable. <laughs> I'm the one that can't get phrases right. Feedback. 3.57 is what the Turn Facebook... Turn the hat to you. Shut up. <laughs> Um, 3.57 on the Facebook, Facebook group. group for last week's Coronation Street so pretty high scoring week Robin gave it three and a half Yasmin cackles Pat gave it three blokes who are high up in instant pudding <laughs> and Joe was my winner of the week who gave it four and a half high score four and a half worries about the future of the Spanish monarchy thank you everybody who voted including those three you've got to watch out for those the Netherlands at the moment they're in trouble uh, their, their, their royal family tried to go on holiday to Greece yeah. Not allowed. Oh. oh got in dear. trouble. I had to, had to apologise. Now, I've got an explanation email to... Oh, we've got we've got some... Um, oh, what's the word? Is it, it disgruntled feedback? Yes, disgruntled. Eileen, who spells her name in a very nice way that I like. Yes, it's spelled the same way as Gemma's middle name, Eileen. Yes. Thank you for... Yeah. So... The, the topic, the subject of the email was Helen Flanagan. Oh, this should be interesting, we say. Eileen says, why did you quote her in some kind of fake Essex accent? Helen Flanagan was born in Bury. Surely you should have mimicked a northern accent. It sounded rather judgmental. What? It wasn't Eileen. How? I'm what? sorry. No, listen. It's, can you explain for me, Gemma? Eileen. I don't know the reason. Thank you very much, first of all, for listening. And thank you very much also for giving us an opportunity to explain rather than just giving us a three-star review and saying that we're crap. Um, we love Helen Flanagan. She, really, really She do. is one of our favourite um, actresses. Rosie, a fantastic character. When Michael does an impression of Helen Flanagan, 
he's kind of doing an impression of what Rosie would sound like if she was from Essex. To pretend... It's as simple as, as that. As a juxtaposition from what Helen Flanagan herself is like in real life. It's not supposed to be our heartfelt belief of what Helen Flanagan sounds like. It's supposed to be a gentle send-up of a comedy version of her character. And we absolutely love her. We think she's fabulous. We know that she's a sweet girl in real life. She's she is lovely. We've heard. We've heard she many, many, many good person. things about her from the people Nobody that we've says, spoken to. Everyone says her. everyone. It's not even like people say nice things. They go out of their way to explain how lovely she is. So we can only hope that if she were to hear it, she would understand. It is a loving tribute. It is. If you have ever absolutely seen, a loving tribute, Eileen, you sound like the sort of person who would love Bo Selector. And if you ever watch that, you might realise that those impressions are completely different. And that's why it's funny. Yeah, yeah. But Craig David make... from Southampton and Bo Selector, he has a Leeds accent. I and that's just, just like... his character, that is the Bo Selector version of it. I would just like to explain also that when you explain a joke, it becomes unfunny. So you might not understand why now it is funny, <laughs> but believe you me, it is it's, hilarious. I don't know when it started. It's been literally it's not supposed at to least be, five years. It's not supposed to be judgmental at all. It's just supposed it's, to be a silly joke. At least, for, it just happened the first time yeah, we did a news article. I think we used article. to do accents for different people. We, we did. We did used to do it. We did used to do it more. Sometimes, like if there's a bit of Craig Charles news, I'd get out my old yeah. Scouse accent. And uh, obviously, if Sam Robinson was going to be doing a bit of news, I might get my. Uh, yeah, my Scottish accent And then we started on. to do different accents for different people that didn't fit them. But I think the only one that stuck was Helen Flanagan. I, I just, I, I think, I think Helen Flanagan was the first. She was, she yeah, was probably saying something a bit funny and ditzy, but she, she can do. She has been known to do it. I think it might have been when she was doing that music video and she was talking about her <laughs> breasts giving her power or something oh, like that. Oh, maybe. And I just, it, it just, I just did it and it stuck. It's a tradition. We don't Quite mean often, anything mean. We mean nothing mean by and it. Also, Quite often, I have explained it, I just didn't this time. Yeah, we often explain things and to, to, the, to the detriment of the show, to be honest. I, I hope that that explanation um, soothes your soul and make, uh, helps you understand that we're not trying to be mean, it just comes naturally. Um, <laughs> and it, honestly, if you, if, you do, if, you don't, if you still don't really like it, it's probably this, this whole show. I don't know how you got to this part of the podcast and that was the only thing we've just thing. been making fun of dying children we in really street talks <laughs> nice a lot of the time in fact we've been called out for it specifically you so have. hopefully you understand that we do this all just in fun and it's also just supposed to be a laugh and if we ever did think that Helen Flanagan thought this uh, deeply upset her we would stop doing it but honestly for, honestly we're just a, it's just a podcast with two idiots Helen Flanagan has a wonderful life she's got Two beautiful children, another one on the way, a lovely husband in a great house. I don't think she cares. If I was to ever do a bit of Helen Flanagan news and either not quote her or quote her in a normal voice, there'd be riots among the rest oh, of the podcast listeners. People would say, why didn't you do your Helen Flanagan people voice? People do like it. They do think it's funny. That's why we keep doing it. Because people yeah. give us attention. I'm, yeah, if I can't make a good joke. Is that enough of an explanation? We've spent a lot that... of time. Eileen, honestly, genuinely, thank you for your email. I hope that that explains it to your satisfaction. Um, right. If not, you'll have to direct further complaints to the HR department. <laughs> That's me. Jay has emailed us, Jay from the Colonies, who has said... Hello, Gemma and Michael. I, we are intended 
to get snow tomorrow, and this was uh, this was sent a few days ago, so I hope you know. Right. I hate how winter and snow. Joe says I'm bracing myself for the next season. I have some thoughts about what's been going on in the street. My first thought is that I'm glad that we are now getting a full week of episodes here in Canada. We followed the king's advice through the coronavirus. <laughs> Which we kept... one's that? You adopting a different sovereign in Canada? <laughs> Alison we're gonna King, have obviously. To, we're going to have to have Shelley words. King. We kept calm and carried on. As a person of Scottish descent. I'm not going to say the voice. I'm not going to do the accent. It is not easy for me to keep calm. It is still funny watching Corrie with the safety policies in place. A great example of that was when Kevin told Abby that he loved her, yet he did it from across the room. See, it's easier sometimes. This thing that Jay's saying about being full week of episodes, I'm still definitely, definitely, definitely firmly in the camp of I'm liking it being six episodes a week. Even if it's six episodes that I'm not too keen on, like this week, I'm also thinking if this had been back as it was before, we'd have had two two whole weeks worth of this Mm -hmm. of me not particularly enjoying it. Oh, wow. And yeah, I'm I'm definitely glad it's back. 100% honest, I'm glad it's six episodes a week. Good. Now, Jay says... I know that Coronation Street is not known for its romantic scenes. That's why I like British television. Oh, I don't need to watch American soaps, which are more like soft porn. Yes. A good strong handshake is better than a slobbering wrestling scene. Exactly. No. I think there should be well, more you romance. You want more porn on Coronation no, Street? I want more romance on Coronation I don't Street. Need I have it. not. I- and I'm not disgusting. saying I'm not saying romance is <laughs> in more snogging or more bed scenes. I want there to be more romance and couples but that we care for. But that's not what he's talking about. But he said that Coronation Street is not known for its romantic scenes. It isn't, and that's why I like British television. I want to see Good. more romance, please. That's, no, we'll that's go why watch I'm American kind of liking then. Arthur and Evelyn because she's she's cracking and she's letting him into her life. I think but it's, it's very not, sweet. But he's correct in that it is more like a good strong handshake. Than a slobbering wrestling okay, scene. Fine. If Arthur had his way, there would be all kinds of uh, scenes in that caravan. <laughs> I have to say, says Jay, that I had the same reaction as Michael the first time I saw Matilda Freeman. She went away, oh, recently. She went away a child and came back grown and was given a ridiculous scene to be in. I think this is the I poor don't. birthday scene. Oh, yeah. Here's the bowl it's of monster It's your birthday. Lunch. Where Surprise. did she spend her lockdown? Somewhere that time machines are available, I would suggest. I have a theory that the child that Imran and Toya are going to be given to raise will be Kelly Neelan. Oh, God. I think we might have talked about this one before. I would have ripped my ears off. Her father is missing and her mother is a runaway train, so it's only fitting <laughs> that CPS comes and hauls her away. This way they can keep her on the street with less far-fetched script writing. I don't like her. I, I'm not... I don't... I d- Go on, so carry on. Her being... Her with- being with Imran and Toya could make some great tension. Yeah, and that I would hate it. I think it'd be... The fact that Imran is... I don't Imran like Kelly Neelan. Is, is Neelan. kind of, you know, on his off days, when, when, going after Gary with Adam, I think that'd be a bit weird that he's then raising the daughter of Yeah, but of that, the, he's right in that it would cause tension because it'd be like, oh... It would. It'd be just one of these coincidences again. But yeah, you're right. I'm not. I'm not a mega Kelly fan. But we haven't really got to know her. She's I don't been an need antagonist. Kid. She's been an no. antagonist. She's she's here now. She's not gone. No rubbish. I I just think it'd be a bit too much of a coincidence. But it, <laughs> I think not, that he's the reason I'm reacting so negatively is that I think that this might happen, and I hate the idea of it because I don't like Kelly. But I definitely appreciate the logic with which you have I want put Toya together and this Imran theory. to adopt a kid like Sam. Can they just have Sam, please? I, I, yeah, I think that there is going to be. I, there was a point where I was like, oh, they're not going to bother having the having a fostering storyline. But interestingly enough, in the Coronation Street book that we've got, 
there is a sen- there is a description about Toya and Imran talking about them as a couple, and it does say that they harbour f- um, ambitions to foster children. I know it's very I think that's a very although it is just the most up to date thing, and really, if before then the, the only thing you could have said was they enjoy a vegetable lasagna together. I think that it's significant and maybe it means something. Maybe it means that this story is not going to be dropped that quickly. Maybe there will be more to it. I really hope so because it would be a disservice to Toya's character and how much she struggled with being childless to just go, wow, wow, I don't want want a kid then. Yeah. Um, the whole Carla, Peter, Abby and Kevin storyline says Jay was tedious. I know you like Debbie in there sticking her nose in things, <laughs> but I'm not a Debbie fan. You're more of a Debbie oh, fan Dale. than me, aren't you? I know if she wasn't there, we would have no drama, but doesn't she have her own <laughs> life somewhere and other people to annoy? Interesting. That remi- is there a reason that Debbie is sticking about, though? Well, I know. I've seen some people theorising that because she's in property development, there could be <gasps> some kind Roxy? of... She could be Roxy. I wonder whether Debbie is Roxy. Do you? Before I said that. No, but now you come to think <laughs> of it, that could be a very good idea. We haven't seen Roxy, we've just heard of her. I don't know where Debbie... She definitely seems why, like the Why sort would she person, put on a fake name? She de- No, she definitely seems like the sort of person who'd go, I know people are going to pitch a fit if they know that this is going on, I'm going to do it sneakily, but... I don't care, I'm going to get my money and go. You just thought that Kevin might have, you know, said to her in the past month and a half, two months that she's been here, so what are you actually doing here? Why are you still here? What is your work that you've got on? He lives in the terrace, doesn't he? Ter- Kevin no, lives at number 13, live? yeah. Okay. Next to the shop. So it's, he's not like, yeah, you buy my house cheap. No, no. I mean, it, it, it should have come out by now if it was going to be her, but it's, it's yeah, but not. Now, that yeah. could be, that I know could this be hasn't a come twist. up in the show. There's got to be some reason that she's coming back, and I don't think just being a Thor and Abby's side is enough. I don't think that they would ever put this in the show, but at the moment, unfortunately, in the north of England, they are experiencing a very severe lockdown, and she would end up being stuck there. If she That's was there true. now, she wouldn't be able to leave. <laughs> and just want to say, hang in there. North of England. I know you think people have forgotten you, but we haven't. No. I wish people would stop. Yeah, the North of England should not be ignored and people should stop pretending that it's... And also, London is the one. London, let's stop proclaiming everywhere else. It's bloody London. Everybody thinking London and everyone coming from London and thinking London is the same as the South. We're not involved. Don't don't blame us. Bloody Londoners and their stupid idiot blind spots... We should all unite against them and jettison them off. I think we may have some listeners that live in the London area, Gemma. I don't think that you identify as a Londoner if you're from London. What? Do you, what? But you don't, you don't come from London and stay there. You get out and then you move into London from elsewhere. <laughs> Maybe. No, but listen, you know what I'm saying? I'm saying the north of England is being crapped on mm. and they know it and they're saying, can you stop crapping on us? And I'm saying, yes... Please, can we all stop crapping on, on the North and let's try and all come to a consensus together and they're hurting up there and I don't want there to... Care, care. This is what I don't want, this continuing narrative of North versus South. It's so upsetting and pointless and all it is is fat cats in London who don't understand and people also confusing London with the South. Mm. It's not Londoners, of course I don't mean that. It's the people that make the decisions that don't see beyond the M25. Yeah, yeah, I see. 
Anyway. Sorry. Anyway. No, needed saying. I don't think it's Kevin, true. says Jay, needs a concentrated force cranium slap. Nice one. Who is he to sit in judgment over anyone? Excuse me, Kevin, but who was the one-legged invisible boy's mother? Oh, your best friend's wife. If you wanted to sit in judgment over people, get your own podcast, yeah. Kevin. The last thing that I want to say is that the old Coronation Street money tree is alive <laughs> and well. Nicky needed money and Daniel found Jeff's money. Ooh, found. We still don't know about that, do we? About Jeff's wadge of cash in the envelope and what that was for. Yeah. Still a mystery. Gucci, Gucci, bag. Then Daniel needed money to pay it back to Jeff and Craig gives him the money. That is why they must protect Vicky Gardens at all costs. Yes, that's <laughs> why they don't prune anything. Yes, I think you're right. Right, Gemma, what has Nancy got to say about this week's Coronation Street? No, last week, sorry. Nancy says, I continue to like Jane Danson's portrayal of Leanne in the Ollie storyline. It's heartbreaking. Leanne sees the Doctor and the hospital as the enemy. Steve thinks money will solve everything. It's amazing that Leanne thinks she has the strength to go to court. Steve will not listen to Tracy at all. The moment when Nick finally tells Leanne that he has a son named Sam must have been a relief for Nick. Seeing how emotionally drained Leanne is, I was not surprised she told Nick to leave after meeting Sam. I do not think Steve will end up selling any buildings. Interesting. The solicitor has told Leanne to be prepared to lose the case. I think Leanne will get to the point where she has to face up to the reality of the situation. I do wonder what Tracy might have done if it was Amy. Mm. I loved Tim and Sally's wedding. Abby was great locking Jeff in the conservatory. Sally Carmen is so great. I am not sure if Craig and Faye will get together. It could happen. I don't think Abby will get in trouble for locking Jeff in the conservatory. I love seeing Yasmin laughing after Alia told her about Jeff. But I do think Alia needed to tell Jeff about this. She goes too far. Don't think. She, I don't. Oh, think. Just listening to some of those stories made me realise how much I enjoyed last week's Coronation Street compared to this one. Comes away. She so says, much. "I'm not sure how I feel about Gareth Pierce playing Todd. I did like Bruno. He had charisma and chemistry with Tracy. I know Gareth will make the role his own. This feels like a long term story. I wonder when what Eileen is going to do. Is she going to identify the body as Todd or just have George arrange a fake funeral? Neither, but closer to the second one. I think Grace will show up at a later date because she is pregnant. Yes." I can't remember I said this on the podcast or if I had an epiphany after the show we finished recording. But we were like, oh, yeah, this, the, all the Bailey storylines, they've been done with now. Grace is gone. She'll never see her, never see her again. And I was like, yes, of course she's pregnant. Of course she's going to come back. She'll be back. Um, I think Scott did a great job of winding Johnny up. The storyline is moving real slow. It's not over either. I love seeing Emma and Evelyn and Jenny doing the wine tasting. Jenny was funny. I do feel Jenny needs a storyline. The build-up to the 60th anniversary is coming along nicely. It should be an event between Yasmin's trial and Ray's plans. I give this week's episodes four out of five wine tastings. The character of the week is... Abby. Abby, thank you. Oh, we gave it to Abby as well, I did at least anyway. I can't remember what you did last week. Rebecca says, another good week on the street and as sad as the Oliver story is, Jane Danson is performing great and her little look when she saw Sam broke my heart. Speaking of Sam, can I have a star spotting playlist please because that was so cute. Leanne pushing Nick away was sad so I'm glad that they're back on the same page for now. I'm wondering if Leanne and Steve through their grief of losing Oliver or Tracy and Nick through being pushed away will have a one night stand. No, grubby. I'm also still dubious like Toya over Stam's parentage and Nick won't have a DNA test even if it just confirms that Nick is a dad. Finally, it wouldn't be horrible if it turned out that Sam wasn't Nick's son. Oh God, I'd just have to eject eject the show. I'm also still dubious. I know we already did that one. Where did I get to? Finally, great to see Gail back. Even if she's gone back to the buffoon mode, I can still enjoy David calling her Gail. It never gets old. 
Loved Abby this week, especially when she locked Jeff up. He didn't like getting locked up, did he? Sal's <laughs> wedding dress was tasteful but elegant, and I loved asking Gail to be bridesmaid. I know some people think that Sally and Gail being friends is a bit out of the box, but I still like them being um, friends mentioned. Craig and Faye, yes, please. Although, who's betting that Noah is a wrong one and Craig spots him while policing and has to wonder whenever, whether to tell Faye or not? Everyone covering for Abby was great. Served Jeff right, and I loved the last shot with Jeff on his own in the street. Oh, and Yasmin's cackle? Brilliant to hear Yasmin laugh again. New Todd, the jury is still out, although I don't think he was too bad, and sometimes I could even hear Bruno's voice through Gareth's lines. I shall see if I still oh, hear that this week. Mick is a rubbish villain, not scary at all. I went to a... No. This all, I went to a fake funeral once. There's nothing like that. I want a fake funeral, Rebecca says, though with Todd written in flowers at the back, purses, Sean weeping, the works. <laughs> I went to a fake funeral. It was crap because the food was fake as well. That's the only reason I went. Plastic. I did appreciate seeing George again, but Michael is right. Time for him to get some story as Tony is a great actor. And Mary's line about the ugly vase made me howl. I loved Jenny's drunk acting. Although I'm on Gemma's side, I can't get enough of Sal drunk acting. But Mo- Ali and Maureen, fantastic too. And brilliant to see Maureen, or should I say Dame Maureen, grinning face with smiling eyes emoji. There's a load of emojis here. Evelyn ripping off the mask was typical Evelyn. Oh, I'll tell you what I liked um, in today's episode, that little shot when Evelyn blew off her mask. Yeah, she like... She was, <laughs> she was just about to leave the shot, wasn't she? And then Dev said something and she blows her mask off to carry on ranting at him. I still have a nasty feeling, Gemma. I mean, Rebecca <laughs> says, though that Scott might put the charms on Jenny. See, that's what I said. Him flirting when she was cleaning and Jenny giggling. Hmm. Oh. Jenny, Gemma is right, though. Scott is annoying. And him keeping on teasing Johnny is irritating. Johnny needs to tell Scott to shut up. I'm also wondering, is this the second time Johnny has accused Scott of doing something and then hasn't done it? I'm wondering if Scott will commit a crime, plead his innocence to Johnny, and that time Johnny stands up for him. The um, Michael scene wasn't needed at all. Last week, that's true. And finally, still love the new Shona. David saying that Roy doesn't like hugging could be a COVID link or Roy's autistic link. Roy isn't autistic, remember? He's just unofficially a little bit different than everyone else. And finally, great to see Roy and Eileen back. Character of the week is Abby, just for locking Jeff up. And I give it four ugly vases that weren't stolen from the Grimshaws out of five. Thank you, Rebecca. That was very thorough thoughts this week, Rebecca. Oh, yeah. Love that. Thank you very much. And finally. Yeah. Fangirl Overload 123, we have to say... Happy birthday to you, you did for have Wednesday. A this week. Well Hope done. you had a wonderful day. Um, Many congratulations. What? I said well done, but I kind of well done for you made it another year. Yep. And um, I hope you had a wonderful day, and you will have a lovely birthday month. <laughs> she says, "I will be busy later, so sending my review in early." Oh yes, this nice, came nice in early this afternoon. I really like Shona, but the storyline seems to be going round in circles. She messes up, David gets annoyed, and then realises it's not her fault. Excited to see the drama on Wednesday. I have a feeling Mick will be back. Finally, we seem to be seeing Scott's true colours, but something in the way Johnny is acting tells me he did more than just burglary. Maybe GBH. There's that security guard, isn't there? I love absolutely everything about Evelyn and Arthur's romance, from Tyrone's gentle teasing to Evelyn's hesitant vulnerability. Slowly coming through, it's the sweetest. Please, Coronation Street, don't do any, don't make anything tragic happen to Arthur. Hmm. Now that Gary and David aren't selling to Ray, I wonder what will be the next step in his master plan. Finally, how many people are actually having delayed birthdays because they didn't half bang on about it? 
Character of the week is Todd and I give it two and a half. Deranged toddlers out of five. Thank you very much. Thank you. Yeah, it's, it's, well, Audrey's not having a delayed birthday. Um, If you're going to have a delayed birthday, does that mean you can technically claim all the period of time between your birthday and when your delayed birthday party is Maybe. as your sort of birthday like kind of suspended birthday activities do you think that the original version of audrey's delayed birthday was just actually her birthday yeah and so and then then they had to shunt everything back they just delayed it then why why would they have a birthday and go gran's just phoned up and she said because of the pandemic she's not coming no i wonder whether in the original version of the script it was going to be her birthday and she actually did have a birthday party so then they had to change it to a delayed birthday party where the builders stopped Audrey from coming. I don't know when Audrey's going to come back because they've obviously had, you know, Helen Worth's back, Sue Cleaver's we back. We said before about Kang. speculating. Oh no, about... she only didn't go, did she? Yeah, no, no. I, I, I hope we see her soon because we're we're starting to see some of the. Um, it, I've, I'm really interested in how many new characters they're still introducing, and even children characters. I think that's really interesting. Yeah, yeah, it's getting closer to being back to normal, isn't it? I, do, I kind of feel like it is back to normal, but with social distancing and no exterior filming. Yeah, I do miss that. But not, and I, 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 honestly, I don't notice the social distancing very much at all. I'm, I think I'm they're getting better it. at it and we're getting easier at turning a blind eye. I, I didn't think it was ever that bad. I think at the beginning it, we were looking out for it yeah. more and now we're not and just... Although it's Evelyn fine. and Arthur were sort of going... Oh, yeah, they were. What, are you thinking of them in the bistro yeah. today? It's yeah. like, uh, are you separate tables or do you want the bill together? Yeah, they were both sitting opposite sides of a table with the chairs pushed right back. Yeah. But anyway. Tension. Well, yes, indeed. That is it for another episode of the podcast. Thank you, everybody, for listening. And don't forget to listen up to our bonus podcast this week, which is all about the... <laughs> what is it about? It's the Corypedia Ultimate Character Survey, isn't yes! it? Again. Top. Keep going on about that. Okay, it's not the six, top, it's the bottom, it's the bottom 30, 30 of the top 60. Right, snappy. Because for the last month, they've been revealing every day who has been voted in which position. So exciting. So they've just reached 31 this week. So this week's bonus podcast is us chatting about and reacting to 60 to 31. It's about an hour and a quarter, or hour and a half or so. I can't remember. It was lots of fun It to was do. really good fun. Seeing how, who's moved up, who's moved down, trying to come like up with reasons about pops, why certain the... people got somewhere. Yeah. Getting shocked by some people appearing so low, shocked at other people appearing so high. It was Just a good old episode there. Just being disagreeable. Yes, and, I, and I'm sure that in this time next month, we'll be doing the same thing, but with the top. 30, very exciting. Oh, there's so much to look forward to if you're a Coronation Street fan and part of the Coronation Street family. There's so many more things that we can look forward to between now and the 60th anniversary. And once we've had that, we're going to have another 60 years, definitely full show. But um, who knows how much of it we'll live to see. We can only hope that we will all end up as brains in jars connected to televisions. Yes. Yeah, that's And right. that's the thought of the day. I think Somehow. that's it. So, Somehow, um, so I ended up there. We will finish with that um, positive note. Yes. Immortality through Brains the medium of Coronation Street. 
if and you would it like to email us, <laughs> we are at conversationstreet at gmail.com. Don't forget that's the address that you need to write to if you want to enter our competition to win a copy of the new Coronation Street book as well. You have until Wednesday. Um, you can also tweet us, but not the competition. You can Facebook us, but not the competition. And you can Instagram us, we but not the competition. We can't emphasise enough that you you can only enter the competition... If you email us. If you email conversationstreet at gmail.com and any other form of entry will not be admitted. Yeah. And also... Gemma's just used her serious voice there. She means it. I really mean it. And also, you can enter as many times as you want, but we won't, we'll not only take one entry. So don't give Michael lots of work to do by entering lots of times. Don't spam my inbox, please. please. just enter once, because we're only going to let you enter once. And if you get really annoying about it, we might just disqualify you. Yeah. Because it's our competition. Yeah, exactly. And it's our book now. We can keep it from what? Yeah, maybe none of you are going <laughs> to... No, we no. would not do that. I think we none legally now have to give it to somebody. I think we do. I think we're right. <laughs> um, if you haven't reviewed us on iTunes and you would like to do so, then please do. It's been but a little while got, since we've had a five-star like review to, on there. Yes, it has. If you would like to bring up a grievance, you can also email us at conversationstreet at gmail.com. Perhaps multitask and enter the competition at the same time. Yeah. And we might be able to explain ourselves to your satisfaction. Do you want to do a um, an old uh, Oreni Shee talk about oh, bringing up her, uh, what, what? bringing up a grievance? He used to if be able to quote that line. Bitches, got anything else to say? I can't. I can't. Now's the pig in time. <laughs> <laughs> and that's it. Yeah. Thank you for listening, everybody. And thank you for Check supporting out our Patreon. YouTube. Thank you. Don't forget that we will be donating all of our Patreon proceeds in December to a charity. And so you get free stuff and donate to charity and it's fun and Christmassy. Can I, can I say as well, um, uh, this week on YouTube we re-uploaded that Aidan Connor character profile and we recorded another... Fun and Christmassy. Another, what, half an hour or so of extra material that was never on episode 263 of the podcast. We caught it bang up to date. And so if you can't listen, get enough of me and Gemma please. talking about Corey stuff, listen to that. Listen, please, to the trigger warning at the beginning. There is one. We don't we, we don't very often do them because Coronation Street is full of triggers, but you might not you might wade just wade into something without realising it's gonna get deep. Indeed. And it does. Very serious. That's sad. Um the cat's <laughs> here. Yeah, Abby's purring. just come and sat down. Is do that wanna, happy? Do you wanna listen to Abby to have a purr? That's... Is this a oh she's sniffing. There you go, that's <laughs> quite nice. Little little, little cat look. noise for you there before we finish the podcast um, off. That's it, that's it. Happy birthday, Merry Christmas. It's nearly Halloween. There we go, there you go. Nearly <laughs> Halloween time for Oh, Gemma. I can't wait. Favourite time of the year. Bye, everybody. Thanks for listening. Bye, Spooky. bye, bye. See you, bye. Music for this episode came from podcastthemes.com. <laughs> oh. The purring came from Abby. Mm-hmm.